Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. As always, I'll be joined by my co hosts, Ben and Evan. And we have to shout out our longtime friends and sponsors right here in Eugene, Oregon, Radar Toys. You can go to RadarToys.com, get free shipping in the U.S., and save an additional 10% using our code BATFANPOD. All right? Now, if I am a little bit gravelly and low, I was losing my voice a little bit the day we recorded this. So don't take that for a lack of enthusiasm because we're diving in to one of our favorite universes once again. That is the White Knight, the Murphyverse, whatever you want to call it. Uh, This is the spinoff written by Katana Collins. Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn. I forgot my notes, but I didn't have many. Oh, no. I had like four of them. I didn't take notes, but I also forgot them. But if it helps at all, I also didn't read the material. So. There's always a specific order we do it in, and I never remember. Uh, we're going to start with Batman White Knight Presents okay. Harley Quinn. It's a very long title. 2020. This was written by Katana Collins. And if you're listening and going, why did he pronounce it that way? Because I DM'd her. I was like, I heard an interview with you and Sean both pronouncing your name differently. (laughs) Can you help me out? I was like, is it like Katana the sword or is it like banana? And she's like, my family says banana. The rest of the world says Katana. I like that she's... I'm like, okay. I like that banana was your example. And she's like, yeah, banana. Yeah, my family says banana. They literally call her banana. Yeah, so... Katana um, banana. Banana Collins. uh, Story by Katana Collins and Sean Murphy. Artwork by Matteo Scalera, colors by Dave Stewart, letters by Anne World Design. Initial thoughts on White Knight Harley. I'll piggyback on something I remember saying previously in that I just thought that it was so cool that Sean started and got the ball rolling on something that I thought was really cool. I thought what he made was really dope. Yeah. But then however that works the executives or the label or something sees the potential and they're like yeah that is cool people really liked this go for have it have some more do some more <laughs> yeah, stuff this could know? be its own world yeah because a lot of i mean how many times do we see people who do something that could just be a one shot that ends up not being a one shot and turns into its own little side universe that's pretty rare yeah pretty cool to me usually it's like some planned thing yeah, it's like yeah, yeah we want you to spearhead our new universe so that exactly people can get into it mm-hmm. who haven't read it. Hellboy is like that in that he would have Mike doing the main storyline, and this is the stuff that's really driving the story forward. But that was kind of like sporadic, and then he would have all of these, especially since the Hellboy PD, and then the, yeah. the old stories. Yep, and it, so you'd have these trade paperbacks that would have like eight different short stories by eight different artists or something. And it was totally cool because Hellboy just lends itself to that kind of, like that's its universe. It's it's like Grimm's fairy tales or something. And there are all these little Hellboy side quests. And But Hellboy is an independent title, which is a whole lot different than Sean yeah. and Batman in DC. You know, so for Mike to have the freedom to do that, that makes sense. That's his baby. Mm-hmm. But Batman isn't Sean's baby. So pretty tight that they were like, yeah, buddy, 
go for it. Pick another guy who has similar art, and you don't have to pull all the weight and uh, do your thing on it. Yeah, and what's starting to change my perspective on this a little bit now that it's kind of become the White Knight universe, I'm starting to appreciate this a little differently in that this is basically fan fiction. Yeah. Because it is so deeply referential and so like its own thing. I mean, a lot of these black label things like we're talking about are just are, are one-offs that are Elseworlds. They're not part of continuity. But I think like you say, it's the referential aspect that makes it like fan fiction and not as a criticism or as a bad thing. But I mean, that is something I like. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. you could argue that anyone who's like, I love Batman. Now I get to write it. Oh, you're just writing fan fiction. Exactly. But it's that specific of like. But he's embracing it. Yeah. The nods to the animated series, just the nods to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's cool. Again, just listening to like Sean and Clay go off on the animated series on their podcast, you know how much they love this shit. And so when you read it, it's only natural that you would be feeling that as well, that it's every artist's childhood dream to grow up and work on the main fucking Batman title. That's Mm. crazy, right? And this isn't it, but you're still getting like all of that excitement. When you open it up of like, oh man, well, what if we go back to that scene from fucking that thing that blew my mind when I was a kid and re-explore that? It's just the excitement reads on the page for me. I like that a Which lot. Which is pretty cool if you can make something like that come across. Yeah. I think that if, if that's perceivable to somebody, then like playing a show, you know, I want to project the kind of excitement that I hope that I will get back from people. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put my passion on the page and I'm going to hope that it comes across. Yeah. And then to know that it actually lands is pretty cool. Both with the conclusion of, like, the first chunk of the White Knight stories and then this, it kind of seems like his real dream and fantasy was to write Harley Quinn stories or like to create a universe where she's the most important character which is not bad but that's like the unique twist of this universe because it's not just that she's so important it's that like she's best friends with Batman (laughs) she's well we talked about this before there's more than one version of her like where he kept getting like oh Batman's arrested Batman's fucking the enemy of the people in the first one Batman's this and that I was like okay so you love Batman clearly but like do you also hate Batman is that like the message we're supposed to take from this series is that he is bad, like in a practical sense, and cannot work. Is that? But yeah, it's this terrible uh, Wayne legacy and yeah, stuff. Like everything about this family. And, and it's this specifically character. Batman because he seems to be okay with vigilantes. Yeah, yeah. With where this story goes, but it's <laughs> just Batman himself is no good. Yeah. I want to uh, mention. Nice to see you guys. Yeah. This is the first time I think since episode eight. So the that we've overwhelming all been majority of these we've done distance. On the phone, mm-hmm. yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, we'll see uh, how this works. Yeah. It's nice, <laughs> this nice to see you guys. one again for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about taking another year and a half off, guys. Um, hope you don't mind. I'll be outside. <laughs> <laughs> so the story opens with a flashback to Joker and Harley first meeting. And this is not at Arkham. This is a total reimagining. It's at a club where she is a dancer. Uh, she flirts with him and makes him laugh. She like flips off her pole and onto his lap and makes some joke about Jack in the box, you know. And and he means vagina. Laughs about that. I didn't even get that. I, then, like, <laughs> I don't even get this. The uh, mob people that he's with walk by and bump into them and knock a, a drink onto her, and he gets super aggro. 
on this guy just like really fucking need to defend her honor and she's like it doesn't it doesn't matter this is my life like fuck this is every day so don't it's fine and he's just like no fuck you apologize to her you know and just like really uh, raging out there again in this universe joker is two-face yeah he's yeah. like half two-face that whole like for sure i'm fucking crazy half the time is built in yeah he just pops off yeah and this is right as batman uh crashes through the tim burton glass ceiling into the room <laughs> yeah. And they run for cover under a table while he uh, takes on the mobsters. And it puts them in very close quarters, it seems, for the first time that they're face-to-face. There's like a tablecloth kind of covering them. It's a very private moment. You know, they're in their own little blanket fort. And, <laughs> you know, it's just very intimate. And she remarks like, oh, well, your, your eyes and your skin, like, it's like you're two different people in one. You might have circulation issues. Or- yeah, it's yeah. a little, it's yeah. little yeah. Check your diet. Yeah. Yeah. You look gross. Um, hey, are they under a square or circular table? That's a good question. There's two tables. As you're describing, like, if this is a circular table, then the stand should exist in the middle. I don't think that circular tables usually have four (laughs) legs. (laughs) I just don't believe it. It's not believable. It's not a believable world. uh, I mean, the camera angle, like, how would the kid, they'd be so close if the They look like round tables. Yeah, exactly. It's, God. (laughs) Somebody needs to hire me as, like, a visual editor. I like like that right there, how how you have, like, um, Jack is, like, boom, gone. And then in the very next one, Batman's like, boo, where'd he go? <laughs> hey. can, I, can I play? Yeah, <laughs> what do you guys do under here? And when he bails, he leaves his phone number on the Jack of Diamonds. Batman is like, yo, stay away from that motherfucker. I, I like that. He's a slippery He's slope. Bad news. We cut back to the present time, and the narration, we find that she's actually telling this to her, her babies as like a bedtime story, which in another context would be very sweet telling you about how me and your dead dad met who you will never get to meet and like that shot him this is a nice story well yeah. <laughs> in the fucking face yeah. oh, this is the beginning yeah. of the story not the in end in a very yeah. weirdly perspective panel <laughs> well, they, callbacks they get to, guys they show callbacks. us the panel again That's yeah nice. yeah, like, yeah oh that was weird who's on a ledge who's above yeah. <laughs> <laughs> MC Escher did this one uh, I mentioned that interview that I heard with the two of them on uh, it was on the Bat Force radio show a while back. Katana was saying that she was like kind of proud of her jokes and Sean was like, yeah, I couldn't believe like you're making me laugh out loud. Like, you know, we said before, normally like a joker thing, he'd be laughing at his own jokes. But like there's a couple times in these where I'm actually laughing at mm-hmm. shit that Harley says. They had the like, why is a stripper like a rock? You skip the flat ones. Or like, there was apparently like dirtier versions of some of the jokes uh-huh. that even Black Label was like, no. There's one joke that made me laugh out loud. And I don't mean that as a criticism because like I watch really funny shows and don't laugh at all. That's yeah, just you're my like my wife. You <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, yeah. I'm not about showing emotion. That's not my thing. <laughs> but, uh, it was a la- a laugh. <laughs> like, I laughed out loud in my mind. In the first series... I think the abortion joke was the one that I laughed uh, out yes. loud. But in this one, it was later. It's just the, uh, he loves me as a bit of an Oedipus complex. And then Harley's like, that's not something you brag about. That was just a really funny joke. That's not a good thing. The news reports Lily O'Rourke, a golden age film star, was murdered in what appears to be a serial case. Duke brings food to Harley and asks her to consult for the FBI 
on these golden age killings, as they're calling them. She is Will Graham. Yes. And Duke is Jack, whatever. <laughs> I was thinking about it extra this time, reading it, and how they created a character that's like bandana goes so far down that they only ever have to draw half of his face. I was like, you geniuses. <laughs> You'll never have to draw his eyeballs at all. That's funny. Harley declines, and she says something about her babies, and she's like clarifying, no, no, the two munchkins sleeping upstairs are my kids. These, motions to the hyenas, are my babies. And that is not only true for the character, but relevant to what happens in the story. Uh, this carries into the next scene where she visits Bruce in prison and brings them along. And she says, they're all that I have left from Jack. Mm. And he's like, um, hey. might I remind you <laughs> hey of there, something? Hey there, bad mom. Uh, <laughs> I noticed second time flipping back through that she leaves a little greasy heart, heart on, the, on the window, yeah. but then the same heart, and it looks pretty distinct because it's it's not connected at the bottom, mm-hmm. and it has a little trail off, that Sean uses that same heart design in one of the later covers on the front. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Considering that they're not done by the same I'm person, flipping, I thought that was cool. I want to say I might know the one you're talking about. It's later. It's like the fourth one or something, and it ha- it's like mostly yellow colors because it has kind of oh yeah yeah I pink see and it. yellow lemonade. It's her in the new suit. Uh-huh. It's yep, on yeah. the upper right corner. You. This being like the first real scene, other than uh, the go-go dancing one, because they don't do a whole lot of talking, but. I think the, one of my favorite things about this book is their like further exploration of the like levels of their yeah friendship. They sort of do a "This Is Us" umbrella. where like, hey, the main character's dead. What do we do? Flashbacks. I, you know? I really, spoilers for "This Is Us." Also, what is "This Is Us"? What? Oh, it's the fucking uh, Milo Ventimiglia show on uh, NBC with Mandy Moore. Drama. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. I'm Mandy Moore. It's, it's like <laughs> now the, I know that at least one person has died. Well, no, that's like the premise not, of the show. Can you not go an episode without spoiling oh my somebody? God. The whole like uh, you—they make you wait like a year and a half before you figure out how he dies. He dies. But you know oh, he dies. Oh my uh, God! But you know he. Not dies. watching this show now. It's the yeah. whole thing is these kids lost their dad and how they deal with it. That's the whole premise of the show. Oh, my God. God damn it. Yeah, that sounds hella sad. I don't even know where we were anymore. How do we write this story now that Batman's gone? Oh, yeah, that was my entire point, which yeah. is the flashbacks. I just think it's way cooler because he always acts a certain way towards villain characters. You know, he only ever talks to Joker in, like, a certain way, even if it is kind of like... Knock it off, you know. Stop, do, like, <laughs> even, even, like you could be better than this. Or Put something. your toys away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if he is kind of concerned, or even if he is trying to be, some of the characters like, yeah, you're so far gone. I don't. I only punch you in the face and lock you up. <laughs> and then other characters, he's still kind of trying to pull him back from something. But yeah, this, Harley's on a pretty long leash on this. Yeah, like, he and, really. Yeah, but I think that it's like super cool that he. Well, there's. I mean, this Batman has shown a lot of growth from the past three stories we had with him because it's and they He's get so into nice it more in later. This. He's nice but it's the idea that like he he needed to m- merge Batman and Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he needed yeah. to like yeah. not mm-hmm. have it be a separate thing. And so he's a lot calmer and just the the Batman in this reminds me of Kevin Conroy's Bruce Wayne. Well that that's what yeah. I mean is that if this universe is rooted in the animated series 
you know, and so much inspiration has come from it that only makes sense because that Batman is the most compassionate one, mm-hmm. you know? Just soft in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think about uh, an episode that I'll mention later, just from listening to their show, I know is one of Sean's particular favorites or has a, that he has a soft spot for it. Where at the Harvey? En- no, no. Every time you fucker. No, but where at the end of the show when he catches the villain, there's actually like kind of an empathetic hug, mm. and it's a sad conclusion that he has to lock up this person. You know, like there's a bit more of that in the Kevin Conroy universe. You know, and the Kevin Conroy Batman just always seemed to me like. That's who he really is. Mm-hmm. He's the guy not in the mask. Mm-hmm. And Batman is just a character that he's playing, but like he's nicer and goofier and friendlier in general. Whereas in a lot of these stories, it's like Batman is half of who he is truly in that like quiet, crazy guy who doesn't talk to anyone is as legitimate as the Bruce Wayne guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because I always felt that in most versions, including the animated series, that the true person was Batman and he was one of the first people to really actually ham up Bruce Wayne and make him sillier, dumber but that is an interesting distinction that he doesn't remove the heart of Bruce from Batman you know, yeah. he just kind of makes it more, him more like an obvious caricature sort of in yeah, cause, and Kevin, we're talking about Kevin Conroy now but like when they're in the the way Bruce Wayne talks to Alfred in the Batcave, mm-hmm. to me, like defines how a writer is writing that version. Yeah. And it's like, is Bruce Wayne just Batman even when he's not wearing the costume? Yes. Or like Kevin Conroy's Bruce Wayne is like friendly and funny when he's not dressed like Batman in the cave. Mm-hmm. He's still making jokes. He's still, I don't know. If we're gonna, like that kind of stuff, which some people would not do it that way. That's interesting. I'm going to fucking... Just register that thought in my head right now, because I've been, you know, writing my own little Batman stories for fun, and now I want to think like, I'm gonna reread them and think about that. Like, how am I writing him outside of there, just in his private moments? Uh, yeah, if there was any real Bruce Wayne, that's the real Bruce Wayne. It's when yeah. he's not dressed like Batman, but he's with someone who knows that he's Batman. Yeah, that's my like preferred version of this character i could see if you were like i bet plenty of billionaires are also dicks so if that's what you (laughs) acted like when you were just your billionaire self and then you acted like a dick when you were a superhero punching people then okay but i don't really like that as much as i like the thought of him just having to facade this tough guy in certain scenarios, yeah, but that's not who he. And actually, that to me seems like stronger and more triumphant and less caught in your trauma than like somebody who had some bad stuff happen to them early in their life, but then wanted to enact like positive change. I think he's got to be torn between both of those things, and like he wants to do good, but is just somewhat stunted by his rage that that's the only way he knows how to do good, you know? And I think they talk about that a little bit in Earth One that we just read where it's like, no, we need Bruce too. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that was kind of his motivation for forming the team is that, yeah, you know what? You're right. I've got to actually commit to this and not just be a front, but use my resources to help people as well as punch mobsters. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was fundamental to Sean Murphy's Batman is that admission he has to Commissioner Gordon at the end of like, maybe I do this because I like it. Yeah. Maybe I hurt people because I like hurting people. So yeah. that's part of this character. So seeing this version is like all about helping Harley. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. nice growth of that character. Good tie back because we are reading the <laughs> Harley Quinn White Knight story. <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> Good job. She says, all I have left of Jack is the babies, but he's like, no, you're literal kids. She's uh, pacing back and forth like uh, the Suicide Squad while she's talking to him about whether she should take on this case. And it's a, a funny bit that's just the art only of the hyenas following her every step back mm-hmm. and forth. I really liked um, Bruce says not to worry about falling back into her old habits because now, unlike before when she got mixed up with Jack, like she does have a support system. Bruce, even though he's in prison, but he's sort of facilitated with Leslie and there's Duke and Montoya, you know, and like she's just not so isolated this time. So mm-hmm. he's like, I don't think you have to worry about that. Becoming so a much. bad guy. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you're going to regress that far at this point in your life. I just have to mention, though, Bruce has been in prison for two years. Can Mm -hmm. we acknowledge that? That's pretty crazy. And he's smiling more than ever. (laughs) (laughs) Does it make Harley, like, more insane or less insane that she could not be doing any of this stuff whenever she wanted to, but she, like, plays into it because she likes it? Like, when you get to the black and white and red thing and she's just, like going on a heist with this crazy guy because she loves him, but clearly she's sane enough to also not do it if she wants to because she manipulates the scenario. Yeah, it's like the Batman thing again of like, these are messed up people. Yeah, it's a little self-destructive for sure. Yeah, just like you are very aware. You are far more aware than any of these other people. Yeah, I think there are people who are like expert prodigy psychiatrists who get fulfillment out of that alone (laughs) don't have to do (laughs) a whole bunch of other crazy shit on top of it. Yeah. I do like, though, using her as the Hannibal versus what we've seen with Joker a lot of times because it's much more logical to use her. He's fucking nuts and Mm. super dishonest for as smart as he is. Like, why would you even rely on this person? But to have her in a place like this where she's trying to do better and is a genius psychologist, well, shit. I mean, this is a really cool version of this character that's like, how have we not really seen this yet? You know, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe they didn't explore the character very much before, at least. Uh, I think it's kind of funny, actually, because if you thinking about this and watching the cartoon and then comparing it to the past stuff, like if she did just get made as like a sidekick character, just like a cool yeah, female companion or something, that I like that somebody eventually down the line was like, she's not content anymore to be what we created for her <laughs> now now she's aware and now she doesn't want it anymore now there's, ba- is yeah, now there's backlash like somebody just decided for her that she no longer was content and had to had to add that into the storyline so harley meets duke at the crime scene and is introduced to an fbi agent named quimby who I can only imagine is after The Simpsons. If we're talking about the animated series in that era, it's got to be. Who's Quimby? 
I did not do that. Mayor Bundy Kennedy caricature. He wrote his dissertation about her and the Joker. He's like a super fan of her, it seems. They view the body of an actor known as James Turner, and she flashes back to the Joker and Jason Todd. And uh, she's walking into this crime scene, and they're saying, like, hey, you know, if you don't want to see the body, if you know it's going to trigger you, whatever, like, you can sit this one out. And, and she goes back to you know, the Joker bloodying up Jason Todd, saying, you can go if you can't handle this, you know. This one particular panel starts a, like, series of what are as much as Sean Murphy kicks butt in these exterior cityscapes. Mm-hmm. Scalero? Scalera. Scalera. Uh, Scanana. Scalera Banana. <laughs> kicks butt on interior shots, I think. Mm. Depth in general. Yeah. From his, that uh, early, like, burlesque scene or whatever that place was, just... The yeah, depth looking yeah. through the hall, I was taken by that. Like, For sure. That stood out immediately. In the same way we talked about Dark Prince Charming and like applying this fisheye curvature to scenes and mm-hmm. like creating like a strange, not focal point, but like if you were drawing up these grid lines to create perspective or something, like this would have some weird curves in it, but his interiors in this book really rock. I would add to that the colors by Dave Stewart are very much like what Ben had pointed out in Dark Prince Charming of like, this location is like lots of purples and greens, mm, and this mm-hmm. location is lots of reds and yellows. and We get that a lot in this book, and it, it, it really helps everything kind of just jump off the page. Mm-hmm. The overall palette of this compared to the original White Knight stuff, I much prefer. And really? it's, it's just a taste thing, not a criticism thing, because... I Matt Hollingsworth is awesome. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, the colorist that of, the, of uh, the White <laughs> uh, Knight. Of the, yeah. the last two. You well, know. I think it was intentional, but I, I've talked about it before that it's borderline depressing. <laughs> <to me. laughs> like it, it looks, For sure, yeah. It's not enjoyable to look at. And again, it's not because it's done poorly. It's just like it's intentionally, like yeah. it looks like a shitty place to be. Where this, I like the palette is much brighter. The overall look, even though it's a continuation of that style, yeah. of, uh, reminds me of like 90s Disney. I think Which I it, like a lot. Yeah, I think that it looks more like Disney and more cartoony. And partially, I think that it's it like Murphy and Scalera draw figures and faces similarly. The proportions are very similar. Yeah, but Mateo applies, I think, a lot more like expression and extra lines, especially in the faces, and, and a lot of things that help it have a more Disney-esque vibe. And then the colors only serve to like stuff is like a little more, there's more variety to the colors and they're popping in a different way than Hollingsworth stuff previously. I just think it's funny that you say that there's fewer lines in Murphy's style because to me, the most striking thing when I first read this, it was jarring in that everything's on model and yet Sean's art style is very sketchy, very ink heavy. Mm-hmm. And this feels like it was penciled and then relies solely on Dave Stewart as the colorist. There's very little black in terms of lines on faces and stuff like that that is kind of the blueprint for mm-hmm. this universe. And the first time I read it, like really threw me off versus like we're talking about identifiable you know, traits in the colors. I just read the prelude to Get Joker, which is the new uh, Black Label series. 
Are you reading another comic right about now. the Joker? <laughs> Just I picked up the like you know free comic book day title, and and one of the things in there was like a little preview of it. And it's just Amanda Waller in a prison cell talking to someone. I won't tell you who it is because you'll fucking get mad. <laughs> is it Milo Ventimiglia? Yes. And so instantly I was like, holy shit, this looks like White Knight. And then I flipped back and I was like, oh, Matt Hollingsworth. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he very much has that identifiable style even removed from, from Sean. And this being Sean's character designs, but With- without the sketchy style. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm is also just another um, defining characteristic of the penciler on the project. It know? serves to cement this universe because I was impressed like halfway through thinking like that I can keep track of how all these characters are and their connections in this universe while retaining all the other comic book garbage that I've absorbed over the years <laughs> yeah. is impressive to not constantly be getting that confused in my head. And I think it is a lot of it just because these are very distinct designs yeah. separate from the other versions. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting to have... An artist-writer-driven series mm-hmm. and break apart like this where he's kind of just doing story outlines. Even with those differences, it still feels like that universe the whole time. That's a testament just to the, the collaboration, I think. You know? It's morphed beyond fan fiction. When you threw that harsh criticism early on in this episode about that this is just fan fiction. And- no, I didn't say just fan fiction. I mean, that's a, a thing that I like about it. I actually went back and opened up my notes from when we did the other two ones and just read my pros and cons real fast. And I was like, fan service was like number one when we did the first one. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be pretty high on this one too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, They are writing what they want to read themselves. And that is something that connects with me. So this victim, James Turner, they say is famous for starring in The Jester's Court. Harley identifies that he is tied up with something called clown knots. She was in the Navy before she was... Yeah, they have, they have like Let's a, see if that's actually a thing. They, they have like a nose that you can push on to, you know, something. Neo is actually their first suspect uh, since the Matrix is coming back. And um, as soon as her name comes up, Harley takes off. And the last page of book one is her in the jester suit, maskless, which, you know, when you were talking about Bruce talking to Alfred... I always love a bat cave in the bat suit without the cowl Mm -hmm. look. And that last page of her is so good. And I love that she wears the suit in this book, but is still a version of just herself now. It's just very emblematic of the shift in the balance of her identity. Yeah, trying to incorporate both identities into one. Yeah. It's really cool. And honestly, that's a thing that I would love to just have like fucking framed on the wall. That's a, oh, you wanted that a, suit. A great shot. You might be able to pull it off. Oh, <laughs> thanks. No, I'd want it for Ant, not for me. It wasn't very definitive as to whether the clown knot is a real thing or not. So they're just making up knots now. I actually, oh. it, it, it actually, <laughs> mini gripes for me. They went like a little hard on the clown stuff early on. Like, yes, you're incredible detectives. <laughs> and these are all like clown it's got clown fish. Oh, well, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> book two opens with a fight on site I put it at Neo's hideout which looks sort of like amusement mile is that an acceptable shorthand Neo just calling her Neo isn't that what they called her in the first one the, like they established Neo Joker and then I thought she was just Neo the whole rest of the time hmm. you don't like it you're, you're making a grimace <laughs> <laughs> like you sure just smelled something bad yeah. in your Tupperware this is expired mm. okay I apologize <laughs> 
We're on the third book. I would like you to say Neo Joker, the other Harley Quinn. No. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, what did they call her? The fucking bad cosplayer or something. They they had all kinds of digs for her in the first one. And I, I felt bad. I didn't like it. Which that's like a Marvel movie. It's like, we spent a lot of time and work creating this new character, but we're still going to go like, maybe this is stupid. (laughs) In case case people don't like it. Still going to rip on it. (laughs) Yeah. I I was glad to see Neo Joker come back, though. I think that's neat. Yeah, it establishes the universe again. And it reminds me that when Evan harshly corrected me for saying, what Harley Quinn worked at a bank? You fucking, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're right. You got me. haunt you? You got me. (laughs) Yeah, I was wrong, and it was on record, and I didn't, I didn't edit it out. <laughs> I did write it on my calendar. Yes. It will never happen again. <laughs> so then the teapot is the Martha between these two people. I love that. Inexplicably. Like I, 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 didn't, I didn't understand. They had this sort of like stepbrothers, did we just become best friends moment, mm-hmm. and then quickly are like, but I'll still fucking kill you. If you I like the Batman you and night, you know, nightmare <laughs> scene. That was a little odd, but they stopped fighting, and Neo's like, yeah, actually, some dude named the producer had tried to enlist me as what he called his starlet, and I was like, no, I don't fucking, you know, I'm doing my own shit. Then Ivy and Hatter show up briefly, and I wasn't quite sure the reason. They just all hang out now. They're just buds. Was that just like a Mateo wants to draw them like, yeah, we'll squeeze them back in for a second. Mm. Well, and some of the Ivy Neo stuff. Oh, was, look at you. Yeah, <laughs> I can really I swallow can, that can bitter pill. Holy yeah. crap. Um, so adaptable. Wow. Because like it's canon, at least in some sense, that they're a couple. Yeah. So it's like maybe that's this Neo and, and Poison Ivy were a couple, but not original or they're mm-hmm. both were something yeah. or whatever. I don't know why Hatter is there also. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. I know that Katana's background is in romance novels, and Andrew was just telling me yesterday about romance novel tropes and some of the basic setups that they do, and she's like, one of them is enemies that become lovers you know they fucking hate each other and it's like so maybe we're they fucking fuck each other (laughs) plant some seeds here because neo is adamant that they are roommates in the beginning but they say it's like emboldened and italicized well yeah because she's like no we're roommates you know so she's trying to downplay that but then later we do see that ivy does care for harley and so even though they're not on good terms it still allows that maybe that is in the future for her, which I, I would love because that's my favorite version of, of the characters, not tied to Joker, but <laughs> I, I like them together much more. Yeah, they're a fun crew. Yeah. A lot of White Knight, and then even more of this, has like romance feel. Yeah. I like the dialogue in this, actually. Me too. Uh, sometimes more. It feels a little more emotional, a little more human or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't think know. it feels more like a heartfelt story kind of between uh, and it just kind of shows like the different forms that friendship can take or something that could that should be the subtitle of this whole (laughs) arc i'm done with this podcast (laughs) (laughs) drop yeah different forms friendship can take wow can i actually just mention i hadn't really thought of this yet but maybe that's just the significance of okay we're gonna do a harley spinoff should probably be a female writer if it's from her point of view yeah, maybe that's what we're talking about of the like special sauce that's like oh, something's a little different here. Uh-huh. It mm-hmm. feels right. Yeah, and maybe additionally just somebody who doesn't normally write in this format. For sure. You know, and same thing maybe if you took a comic book writer and had them write a novel, what would that look like? And so here's a, Short. a person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's many blank places <laughs> where pictures should be. In. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Harley exits and reminisces on spending a lot of time there in the past. She has a flashback with Jack at this amusement park setting. It actually gives the origin of the Puddin nickname. I like that. And Please tell me that's not my new nickname. <laughs> they also see what I believe are Bud and Lou as pups because they're, you know, they're having the pudding, the little joke comes up and please don't call me that or whatever. And then they see the hyenas. He's like, you can't fucking adopt them. And she's like, ah, they're babies. Come on. It's okay. You know, that's likely how she obtained two definitely illegal animals (laughs) (laughs) as pets, you know, Mm -hmm. but I like all these little vignettes that kind of, deepen the the context of these characters lives and not just like here's their new adventure yeah it seemed like we got a lot of neo and joker backstory and the other stuff yeah that's true but not so much of their backstory oh yeah that's true yeah like all that edmund wayne shit got in the way (laughs) (laughs) well well, you you don't like pirate stuff uh, yeah in one hand it's kind of cool though where they're like this is the harley that you know just kidding this is the harley that you've thought you knew here's another character that you didn't know about here's some swashbuckling shit <laughs> and and then here's the harley that you thought you knew but turns out when it's just so cool because they're like simultaneously adding to this universe but also kind of like changing my perception of this character in general and her in any other universe like you know um this is jack napier this is that joker like okay so this is like 89 joker and also you've been a part of his life for so long that you were there when he fell in a vat of acid like and so you're randomly interjecting this character who i thought was like no no you know the a way later edition yeah the batman cartoon would have me think that joker's been the joker for a long time and, and she came up at some point now they're weaving her like, no, they've had this strange relationship for a very long time, and she really volunteered for this stuff, and it's pretty interesting. Some of this, I feel like, can only exist in this universe and Absolutely. is unique to this, but that element of like her being involved and what they bring to her character, I completely agree, and I like it, because you could take what you get in this, and you could apply it to basically any version of her mm-hmm. elsewhere, because it, it still fits in there with yeah. like the existing Harley. That's really cool. I was thinking about just us... You're talking. I was thinking about like you weren't listening to me. You were thinking. Oh, <laughs> <I was listening. laughs> what am I gonna say? Uh, next? I was what am I gonna say? Like like movie tricks and like visual things. And I was trying to think of an example also, but I can recall part of like one of the Harry Potters where they're like, "You're where, a wizard." Where, Harry. <laughs> where, where like the so the scene don't say his the, name. The scene plays out and the movie don't moves spoil on. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean he'll come. But oh. then you <laughs> then you get to the end and they like revisit the same scene but turns out it was like you're doing the time travel stuff yeah it was uh, just you know it's like you only see what the camera shows you you know so like what we thought about harley was like just the camera pointed this direction Uh it's joker's perspective of the story not hers yeah yeah, but if you had a wide angle on it you would have seen that this person was also in the same it was just but it gave you this perception because they presented it a certain way. Turns out this other stuff was happening simultaneously. Mm. Well, that's really cool. And I feel like that shit was just like, oh, wow, what if... But there's a part of me that wonders, like, oh, man, how cool would that have been if, like, in the beginning? But every one of these, he's been like, I don't know if I'll ever get to drop Batman again. Like, I'm just going to throw everything I got into this one, you know? Mm. And so uh-huh. I know it wasn't that way, but I <laughs> there's still a part of me that's like, oh, man, how cool would it be if, like, he was writing that one and then thought, like, but later I'll show you, mm-hmm. you know, all this other uh, perspective on, on the scene. And 
I don't know. I think that's really neat. Uh, what you were just saying about the whole flow of this story in this universe and how they compare. What I like, I think, about this one is that it brings it back down to earth. You know, it's like this is mm -hmm. a more grounded human psychology, Batman style detective story. It's not some crazy ancient history or some Car Justice League team up or some whatever. It's, yeah. yeah, if you, you know, if you peel the stylistic elements away, and specifically, I mean, like the the storytelling, writing stylistic elements. This is a very traditional story. It's mm -hmm. like the whole thing serves to introduce two new villains who are like old school. Yeah. Silly villains they have silly names mm -hmm. that are both movie themed and they have silly outfits. Yeah, but that it's because of those stylistic elements, it doesn't feel like that. But it is a very like, as you say, grounded, yeah, straightforward story. I mean, this feels more like a sequel to White Knight in some ways than Cursed did to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's more on that like, what if this was real? Because we got a little fantastical in the in the second one, but I mean the whole idea of the first one is like, well, what if Batman was real? What would that cost? What would the politics be around this? You know, and this is very much like, okay, well, what if Harley Quinn was real? How would a person with that intellect deal, especially removing Joker from the equation? Mm -hmm. What happens there? Or what does she have to offer? Exactly. So next in the story, Montoya tries to get Neo's location from Harley, but she protects Neo as if, like, hey, consider this my CI. I'm not giving her up. I made a deal. Hey, I know where you're at, but I won't tell anybody for a week or something like that. You know, you can get out of here. Definitely not this so. obvious place that everybody already knows about. <laughs> yeah. Don't check there. That was every Stay episode from the of Carnival. Yeah. Nothing going on there. the animated series. Though, every single one, it was like, okay, Where's the scarecrow hiding? It's like the haunted house, you know. Like, <laughs> no it's like it's always something so obvious, you know. Um, I want Croc to be in the iceberg lounge. <laughs> yeah, mix it up a bit, guys. Come on. Montoya warns her to keep an eye on Quimby, who has all kinds of questions about her past. He's trying to take care of her kids who crying and all this stuff and he's just like very all up in her shit and we already know okay he's written about her he studied her like this dude is I don't know something's a little off about this guy he quickly asks when he hears their names Jackie Sam's like and Bryce this guy cares for children <laughs> something is wrong yeah. with him not a fan this already this character I do not keep relate. my eyes on this guy yeah he quickly asks though like, so, are they Jack's kids, you know? He has no subtlety. He's kind of, he's seeing his opportunity and he's taking it. He's a super fan meeting his idol. Yeah, he's me. So, here we get a flashback that's almost like, I mean, not the tone of it, but uh, sort of like Joaquin's Joker in that Jack is having these involuntary laughing fits and she's kind of, helping him get that under control, and she's documenting the process along the way. And this becomes the article that she publishes upon graduation and kind of gets her foot in the door, and he freaks out. I, I guess, I don't know how that would not come up, like, hey, guess what? Someone was going to publish my shit. That's a pretty big deal, you know? But, yeah, he got very upset when he found out that it was about him, and he bails. And Batman... Again, pops was in <laughs> and was like, hey, so I'm just checking up on my favorite Either. civilian. Yeah. Told you so. <laughs> yeah. Just treat him more like a, a patient. If you've been studying him, you got to maybe 
distance yourself emotionally a little bit and forget that he's your boyfriend if you want to actually help him get better. Take it from me, psychologically balanced human. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, I mean, I, I can see what other people are doing wrong. I just have a pretty big blind spot. You know? Joker hates journaling, I told you in the beginning. <laughs> and he's the one who recommends that she applies for Arkham. And typically, that is where they would have met. I actually regret a little bit because our next book that we're going to read is Harleen, which is a bit of a reimagining, but it's very true to the original origin story. You know, the Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, new Batman Adventures origin story, Mad Love. And it just kind of deepens that. So I feel a little bit weird about coming to that second. Yeah, you made a bad choice. That's but right. This just came out very recently, and I wanted to read it. So, <laughs> um, We have to do that all the time anyways, where we're like, forget about that universe. Read this universe. Yeah. Forget about that one now. Keeping That's track what we're of doing all, all the time anyways. Well, I think that... I have, to keep, I have to hold the entire Bible in my head at all times. So to have <laughs> all this junk on top of that, it's a lot of work. Yeah, this is just your extra reading on top of your daily Bible verses. Yeah, and it's, it's confusing. I'm like, <laughs> Moses, Batman... Which one? Yeah, which one wore a cowl and yeah. fought crime? There, now which we one of the apostles <laughs> one was star. a vigilante? No stars. Yeah. I don't tune into this for religious criticism. I tune into this. <laughs> I wanted to... Uh, nope. Acknowledge this. nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're still on book two, man. Come on. We're just, There's ba six. Batman crawling in the window it's creepy. makes me like... It is creepy, but I it makes me picture. like this design of Batman more than anything in the other stuff. Dude, the fucking collar. Well, it's so brightly lit guys. and so, again, the design, there's, there's less lines overall and mm. it's brightly lit and you can just see it very plainly. It's really, really cool looking. Where it went in the Sean Murphy art, it's so stylized that it's a little easy to get lost in it. Mm -hmm. And this is just like a very flat shot of like, look, it's got cool like black accents down the legs mm -hmm. and then the gray up here and yeah, yeah like here's a random chance to just see him standing in a brightly lit room yeah profile that's an attractive <laughs> man yeah. like look check out the legs on that guy <laughs> he must work out yeah damn two-tone shoes very cool book two ends with simon trent who's a new character to this universe one you may recognize he walks into his apartment we see the gray ghost memorabilia and is ambushed by Starlet, murdered, we assume, who is shown on screen for the first time. These killings before have been... Post-mortem, as we say. Yeah, okay. And then book three opens with Simon tied up. Starlet is asking about the rumored affair between him and his co-star, Sophia Valentine. I had a happy little like fanboy heart moment when... Uh... Like, oh, the Grey Ghost, and just because I haven't kept up with everything, but I do vaguely remember that. I'm like, man, that's so cool. And then also I like the little meta nature of, like, drawing somebody else's drawing, mm -hmm. like how the poster on the wall is, like, the animated Isn't series. Is it the splash title for that episode or something? Or um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Beware the Grey Ghost mm -hmm. is right. the episode. That's so cool. It's different if you if you're drawing a version of a real thing, but then drawing your v version of somebody else's drawing is like kind of layers a, a to drawing me. of a drawn poster yeah. and yeah. i have to ask this like because this this was going to be one of my cons using this character and we've seen joker had all the like batman toys in his room and stuff and this one confused me though like the gray ghost is existing ip that bruce wayne grew up watching 
That's the whole point. That's the same way it is in this universe, too, though. So having a poster of Beware the Grey Ghost implies that he starred in that cartoon as well as the movie it was the basis for. And they knew that Bruce Wayne, because Bruce Wayne was the person who watched it in the episode, so it's just like, it's too much. I just thought in this universe it existed that, like, that character existed for a long time, and later, once Batman was also already a thing... Somebody it was like a crossover. Somebody but, made a story about Batman being yeah. teaming up with him. Okay, uh, I think yeah. maybe just using the episode name and the exact art, I was like, "How?" Yeah, and then it, my fucking seven-year-old brain, brain exploded. It, it would be different if you only presented him as the Gray Ghost or the guy who played the Gray Ghost, and then it only had memorabilia of, of his character, but nothing that also included Batman in it. Yeah, and it's not just Batman; it's like. Commissioner Gordon's up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, a, it's like a, yeah, it's a, he's an actor that knows that he was in a cartoon, and that cartoon is also a viewable thing in this world that we're reading. And, yeah. Yeah. It, it was just it. like one step too meta Whoa. for me, and yeah. it fucking <laughs> blew fuck my mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, that's neat. And then I kept reading. <laughs> <laughs> and both times that I read this, I was just like, but how does... Okay. Oh, my God. I just can't get into it. I don't believe it. It's not... <laughs> yeah, despite what you may think, Sam does not get high. These things just naturally occur to him. <laughs> it's true. This story had some strong points, but, you know... I no, just that just threw so, me off. I got so caught up in that, I couldn't figure it out. I was doing some Charlie Day mental gymnastics there, you know. Simon escapes and successfully fights off Starlet, who just bails. She leaves all of her shit behind. Harley meets Quimby, who theorizes that these victims may know each other, that they were part of the Dashing Dames, and that perhaps the killer is one of them. At Simon's apartment, where they get called over, Duke questions, how did Quimby get a call to beat them there on the scene? There was a woman at dispatch. Yeah, what's going on here? And Simon is recognizing Quimby as Sophia's son because he's, you know, from that era. And then everyone's kind of like, why is this guy here? This is super weird. This is like mad conflict of interest. And Harley is kind of the one, and I like this, just the characters mirroring each other in a way that she can empathize and go, well, look, we've all withheld a little bit of our history to get jobs here and there and talking about how she couldn't have got the interview at Arkham if they knew that the patient she wrote about was someone she was involved with and kind of puts a different spin on it. That probably would have been better, though, if she didn't get the job. (laughs) That's a bad example. And that's just a complication of this version, this universe. But that's one of the cool things about her. If, like, I've done fucked up shit and I'm still trying to do better, so I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt it adds more tension to the quimby story too because it would be really easy to just have him if it was just over right there <laughs> yeah or, or, or like he's i almost thought i was like is he gonna be ethel is he the is starlet he, the, the, he's in drag yeah the advantage of a comic book is you could draw like with phantasm you can draw a character one way and then reveal later that they were somebody else because it doesn't have to be an actual person so to not have it just be like oh yeah he's a creepy weirdo and he's the bad guy or he's with the bad guys was nice. Yeah. Because that would have been really easy to do. True. Hmm. He's like a... He's got posters of you on his wall. Oh, my God. What the sick fuck is... Like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's obvious. Kind of cool, actually, too, because when they go to his mom's place later on, and then you get this version of him that it kind of, like, brings more stuff into question, sort of, like, 
oh no, he's like kind of a creepy fanboy, you mm-hmm. know, and and maybe he could be a bad guy. But then it just turns out they're like, yeah, okay, well, I don't, maybe this is like a blurry line with. He's complicated. Fascination, like the yeah, main yeah. character who used to hang out with a murderer. Sure. <laughs> but, he, but he actually does. Uh, you know, he's genuinely interested in you, and he cares about you, and he's a younger person and stuff. And yeah, I think it's kind of nice. And I'm glad that he didn't end up like also being the creepy bad guy. I'm like, no, he's just kind of a nice guy that actually was genuinely interested in, in you. Yeah, had something until, to offer until the his, end. Yeah. I think they do a good job. This series in general of giving you enough of a character to want a little bit more and be curious about them and just kind of gradually peel back the layers as you go. But that works very well in a Harley story that's very psychology-driven and internal, moral crossroads sort of situations, you know. It's kind of a lot to do also in pretty short time. It's not all yeah. that many issues. And to conjure a character that hasn't previously existed... A few of them. ...give you material, give you a backstory, try to reel you in, make you like them. That's kind of a lot in in just a couple issues. When I was rereading this, I was like, damn, these are more dense than I thought. This is like Scott Snyder amount of dialogue at times. It's Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they visit an antique camera shop after finding a very specific vintage camera in Simon's apartment because they're like making films of these victims, you know, that they're taking and killing An anonymous package was left at the camera shop addressed to Quimby. And when they fired it up on this rare camera that they had that matches that film stock, it's of him interrupting his mom's interview. So Sophia is the interview subject, and he's a crying kid in the background. Like I think we saw at one point of uh, you know Tony Stark doing Howard Stark in one of the Iron Man films. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Yeah. Somebody get that kid out of here. (laughs) Then the interviewer, who is soon revealed to be his nanny, actually, she was like a film student or something, consoles him and kind of pulls him out of the frame. And at the same time, it's explicitly said that the camera shop is one of three places that owns that specific model of camera that could play that film. And Sophia, his mom, is one of the others. And I believe the third one is the broken one that was there, right? Or is there three more uh, the broke, after the broken one? The broken one? one that was at Trent's place, the Gotham Film Institute, and then his mom has it. Yeah, because okay. yeah. that shop person wouldn't know anything about the broken one, probably, mm. when she threw her number out. Otherwise, she would say four. Gotcha. Quimby offers Numbers. to take them <laughs> to Sophia so they don't have to wait for a warrant. Like, hey, I can fucking take you over to my mom's house. Like, no big deal. And it's kind of the only reason that they allow him to stay around because like you are really way too much of a conflict of interest here and he's like I can get your foot in the door and like fine we'll use you (laughs) (laughs) whatever Quimby (laughs) Uh, when they get there she's very cold Uh, we find out that she only had a kid for her career to help appearances huge bitch she won her first Oscar while pregnant saying well it worked didn't it his middle name is Oscar which is just a little bit Maybe morbid in a way. It's maybe it's she waited kind of, until she got the Oscar to give him a middle name. She was manifesting. <laughs> her yeah, and and that maybe so, but just the whole in thing of like, I mean, he's being used right now voluntarily. Yeah, and was being used even just to exist in the world. I mean, it's just yeah, it's a that, lot. That's another one of my standout interior shots where they come into the mansion and uh, you've got your like walkway mm. up top and the stairs and oh yeah, that bad boy right there. Boom. Yeah, that's great. And this has one of my favorite lines in the whole thing. 
you can be honest and still have tact. Yeah. I held that in my heart. Yeah, that's what assholes say. <laughs> I'm just honest. Just being honest, man. Yeah. I never liked that. Tact? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, hey, I know you pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Duke finds custom shoes uh, matching the heel cap that Harley you found. You can totally tell a woman wrote this. At one of <laughs> I like that, that the evidence at the first crime scene was like the cap from the inside of the heel And only of a one shoe. cobbler in town makes this. That like no dude the was... The cobbler. Yeah, yeah. It's that Adam Sandler movie. But no, it, it really is, to me, like, okay, yeah, if you have this specific era of actors, you know, back then, there's not like a million movie studios and all this other shit going on. There's like a go-to guy for that level of celebrity that gets all this shit custom made and that it was recognizable... And then, oh, well, shit, we already knew you were part of that camp. Seems like you've got something in common. Oh, yeah, that's the fucking, that's Ben Polanski. He makes all the shoes for everybody, you know? <laughs> He's like, the best shoemaker in town. <laughs> well, then the knives. They also right find the team. knives right there. <laughs> and she demonstrates that she still has all of her throwing abilities in a, a very dangerous and uh, showboat way. <laughs> and acknowledges that some of them are missing because they're supposed to be on display at the awards event that's coming up. So just a lot of red flags going on here. After we already questioned Quimby's involvement, and then why he's so eager to take him there after he was withholding that to begin with. She shows Harley to Quimby's childhood bedroom. This is just the two of them, Sophia and Harley. And this is where we see the floor-to-ceiling, just like Jack Napier's room with all the Batman shit, or like, Sammy Warmhand's room, <laughs> all the Batman, Batman shit, <laughs> floor to ceiling. It's Harley Quinn stuff. Shout out to Angel Young. I look like her room. How often do parents do this in real life? Leave their kids' yeah, room intact? Yeah, because you see it in movies all the time. Like It's usually I, when somebody goes like missing or something. Or, yeah, yeah, or, or like, yeah, well, like the child passes or something. They just, so they just like leave it in. Sorry, the, speaking of tech, if they're dead. If the <laughs> child passes, yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> but I just think that's an odd thing to do. Well, I think, <laughs> like, I think sometimes you see your like, house. They go to college decorate how you want. or yeah. something like that, and they're like, yeah. when they're still back. in their 20s, you leave it. And this guy's, I think he's still in his 20s. He's just a prodigy. Yeah, I think he's a young person. But usually you don't see it in a room like your garage here that's... Covered in... Uh, it's a studio, Ben. <laughs> it's a studio. <laughs> Your man cave. It was a garage 16 years ago, okay? <laughs> it's normally like a simple room with a desk or something. Like, oh, I left it. You can go yeah, up and here's stay my, there. Here's yeah. my yeah, poster yeah. of Nirvana on the wall. <laughs> yeah, sure. You still have a place here. There is still a bed, but I've also redecorated it to match the house and suit my taste. I think it serves the story, but, I mean, if we're asking questions about it, this lady clearly doesn't give a fuck about her kid yeah. and has more than enough space to spare in her house. She probably just didn't want to fucking deal with it. Yeah. She's like, yeah, that's his shit. Who cares? Fuck or again, him. yeah, seeing him only superficially. Yeah. Like, so she could, oh, this is where my son grew up. My son that I love. Here's his room with all his stuff in it. Oh, yeah. I left it just the way that he had it. We're so close. Yeah. Or I thought in the opposite, like, I'm going to make him look like a dumbass in front of his adult <laughs> friends later creepy on. Creepy weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Hey, while they're in the other room, do you want to see the shrine he has <laughs> yeah. in your name? <laughs> well, this is, the, this is the moment where I was like, Oh, is he Starlet? Yeah. Seeing Starlet in the closet. I was like, did he go up here and change? Did he change real fast? <laughs> no, hide in the closet. Yeah, creepy little boy. <laughs> On top of that, though, they contextualize it by saying he was obsessed to the point that he became a psychiatrist after her and even celebrated when Jason Todd disappeared 
at the time. So he was very invested in the Joker Harley shit in a pretty unhealthy way. I was thinking, <laughs> what if they like wove it in where he was like, like, yeah, he was even one of the one of those guys who uh, you know voted to have that kid killed. And, like, <laughs> yeah, that's gets, gets a weird comic like, like yeah. yeah. He really hated him. He <laughs> that would have stopped me yeah, for about yeah, a half yeah, an hour. Yeah, yeah, like, wait, wait, but how he, he even wrote does DC the, Comics exist? In yeah. this oh my god, it does though. Clearly, yeah. I love that though. That would have been fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he hated him so much. He even <laughs> wrote in the company, had him murdered. That's great. So Bruce in the prison hall, getting his lunch or his breakfast or whatever. This is great. So badass. It opens with what looks like basically a prison riot. It's just a giant brawl everywhere you can see. And then Bruce enters with his lunch tray and everyone just like stands at attention like they're in the fucking boot camp or something like that. And he passes through, sits down, begins to eat, and then they all go back to fighting. <laughs> crazy. I, I like two things that they all pause like, <gasps> and then also that the dude after that like addresses him to tell him news like he's his messenger or yeah, something. In the middle of a fight. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. They go back to punching. Hey, Bruce. You got a visitor. Somebody stop by for you. <laughs> They're not fighting. That's a musical. We just don't hear the <laughs> It's actually a dance. <laughs> it's a dance So you want to be a man? <laughs> yeah, I want to be a man. Good one. Evan's got gems today. Oh, yeah. So Harley is the visitor, and she expresses concern about Quimby's obsession. She says that Joker might not exist if it hadn't been for her obsession with Jack and tracking him after he left. And then we get a stunning homage to the Axis chemical scene in 89. This is what Evan was talking about earlier, where she is trying to reason with Jack. She hears this call in the police scanner of like, oh, there's screaming and then laughter. And she's like, oh shit, like maybe this is what I've been waiting for. And, and, and finds him. And uh, I think he turns around and takes a swing at her, if I remember right, before he realizes who it is. And immediately comes back down to his old self, looking her right in the eyes, and it's very heartfelt. And fucking Batman shows up, and we get everything that we've seen before. But again, the interior work, the bullet refraction, and the... Him getting shot is pretty brutal. It, it yeah. looks more like it sliced off, like a meat layer of his face. <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like at the deli. The way that that is redone is just remarkable, and the colors and the interior work, the detail is just... Fantastic. I mean, this was maybe my favorite part of this book. And just, I remember getting to there and going, it really took me back. He starts sliding the, the Joker colors on him, too. He's got like purple and green socks or something. His skin and looks particularly white. Yeah, yeah. He's like starting the transition of this character. Like how the, he's beating that dude up, and the other guy's like, the boss is going to be mad if you hurt this guy anymore. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. You're a butthole. I don't want to <laughs> hang out for this. <laughs> Duke tracks Harley, who's tracking Quimby, who's tracking the producer <laughs> to his lair, which was bait from Starlet. That's a lot of layers. Starlet plays old footage of Sophia attacking her with a liquor bottle, right? So remember, she was the nanny, and they were having a fight, and she's like, you know what? I, I'm gonna about, about to get my lucky break. Like, you're a fucking has-been. You're old news, right? She throws a bottle of Jack at the nanny's face and disfiguring her. And they had a dress before that Starlet wears like a shitload of makeup. And they thought, well, maybe she is one of these old ass 
actresses. These old know? ass. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, they were talking about that. Well, some, some old lady's not going to be able to fucking throw a dude around like mm. we've seen at these crime scenes. So, yeah, these old ass ladies. That's what we're looking at for suspects, right? So maybe it is one of her, those if she's like really covered up. We've seen how Sophia can throw a knife. You know, who knows? But then realizing, okay, this is like a Clayface origin where he is an actor who is disfigured and then he has to kind of reckon with someone whose image is their identity, you know? It didn't take me long to come to terms with it, but at first in this scene where they're showing this footage, the nanny is already in it. And then, so it's more like filming the attack kind of, you're seeing this like scene play out. And at first, I was like, You're "Yeah, like, who's but, filming this?" Yeah, exactly. I was like, "But who's filming this?" And uh, and then if I, but if you go back to the other one, the first time you see some footage like that, it doesn't. It ends up kind of including her, but it starts, you know, where she's the one filming, and she's a little bit off screen. Yeah, she's off screen, and they're, the they're talking like you would have heard her voice or something. And then she ends up like, "Oh, let me scoop up this kid and dip out." Yeah. So then I. I brought that with me to like, okay, that must be the case. Also in this one, they were doing something else, but then the mom was being a boozer and chucked the bottle and it ended up being more like started as something else. That makes sense. Turned out to be documenting this. And if you were only presented with a certain like snip snip of it, then you wouldn't have seen where she was off screen or something. It Mm. it starts with the, the action is going down already. But at first I was kind of thrown off like, who the hell is filming this stuff? Like, this isn't, uh, they don't all have cell phones. Like, well, who the hell is <laughs> If you just give crap? me 20 minutes, I'm going to set up this camera and film our <laughs> argument. Yeah, something bad's going to go down. It's going to change my life. <laughs> film the police. I'm going to turn this on. <laughs> but yeah, that, it's kind of like what you mentioned about the expansive perspective in some of these flashbacks of like, okay, we've seen this much. Now we're seeing from a different angle and somebody else was there. You know, it's not unlike that what you're talking about of like where the tape is cut, you know, Mm -hmm. we're only getting part of the story here. Mm -hmm. This was a moment where I was a little unsure of how I felt about new characters. Yeah. I feel that anytime like a, a longstanding thing brings in new characters. Cause fucking bluebird. Who is this? Who is bluebird again? (laughs) Was that like another sidekick or something or Uh, yeah, that was one of Scott's inventions. It's because, and I've said this before, the, a lot of the old ones are dumb too, but they've been around so long and they've been so woven in that I accept them. Yeah. I've known these, these dumb characters since childhood. <laughs> yeah, so when it's like, when it's, now Mr. here's a new Freeze character. is awesome, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Cold man. Oh, he's so cool. Guy. <laughs> oh, yes. Ventriloquist. Oh, what a cool, <laughs> not stupid thing. Deep character. Man, that, that dude who laughs is the funniest, though, man. He's the greatest one. What a dumb idea for a character. What if we made a clown, but he's bad? No. <laughs> bad clown. That's not it. we got to call him something else. Um, <laughs> Keep going. Laffy. <laughs> there we go. That's it, I think. Gaggy. Um, just that, like, okay, so that's the villain of the story is just this FBI agent's ex-nanny who was hit in the face with a bottle. <laughs> it's, it paid off in the end, and I was on board by the end. But at this moment, I was a little like, this is... I'm with you, because think about it. This is six books. This is the end of book four. Mm. And we're already getting the big reveal. And it's not anything that we're like super invested in. And so it was like... 
What? It was the nanny that I Whoa. didn't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Even, um, even. Do you remember the movie Role Models with Sean William Scott and Paul Rudd? Yeah, loosely. It's like a big brother sort of program that they like have to be mentors, in. mentors, yeah. And so they're, they're telling ghost stories around the campfire to all these little kids, right? And the nerdy camp counselor guy, he's well into the story. He's like, and then the killer shows up and it's Evan! And everyone is just like blank face, like what? And he's like, the pizza delivery guy from the first scene, you know, and they're like, I don't remember that. You know, it, it, was, it was sort of like a, but we're not following that story. Like that didn't have the same impact. I can only hear Paul Rudd and think of Kunu. And, and you must be from there's, London. There's some sadness behind those eyes. Oh. <laughs> I think what weakens it is that Katana, turn this off. No, no, no and it's just that it's not their fault, but it's you're writing what is still essentially a Batman story. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of work to get him out of this. Like, we'll put him in prison, and he's given up being Batman, and yeah. now he's like a dad behind bars figure. And like, but they have her doing the Batman thing. Yeah, and you still have Harley Quinn, and you still That's have these great. other characters that exist in that world. So when you're trying to weave this other well-told story in there with these new characters, it just feels like a little weird. Like, isn't this a story about that Paul Dini character? Isn't this a story about Joker? Like, and I think that's it. It just it loses its focus a little bit or something. Almost we needed a more familiar or more simple villain. Because the villain is not the point of the story. The point of the story is her redemption, you know? Yeah, coming to grips with herself and trying to make that work. Yeah. Quimby, Quimby maybe should have Quimby maybe should have been involved. <laughs> that was the Paul Rudd accent right there. Yeah. Uh, ben is having a stroke. We are not equipped to deal with it. Please help. <laughs> Send the EMTs. Uh, uh, Quimby maybe should have been involved. If you're hearing this episode, even earlier. <laughs> Four weeks later, I'm gone. I'm already dead. Yeah, send one to the past. <laughs> But even as I say that, I mean, he was worked in well because she did such a good job of slowly introducing this character, slowly getting you, and as you said, over only six issues, slowly getting you to like them and trust them, and then slowly getting you to suspect them. Yeah. The work was done. It's just an unavoidable challenge of writing a story about characters that have been around for 400 years. It's rough. Do you guys think that these creators know when a character is going to like hit or no do you harley was an accident do you think that they are like this character will have no longevity and so i will not make them awesome on purpose Mm. i think maybe there's a little bit of that now now that everything is very self-aware and we have so much to draw on but i mean that's what we were talking about with like most of these characters are fucking dumb but they just they've worked they're not going to pop up a lot because they worked well for that thing even a great character. That's why we haven't seen Phantasm until now, Recently, when Tom yeah. King brought him back but, or brought her back. Spoilers. Yeah, debatably, like fuck that, you. That though, to me, like <laughs> maybe they didn't, didn't know what they were doing in the past. Maybe it's just me because that's my aesthetic or something. But Phantasm is like destined to be a character to me, like just by design. I'm like, you are too dope not to be more than. Just this right here. Well, these are skilled creatives we're talking about. So I do think, like, once somebody throws up a design, maybe it's and it's gone through like three or four iterations, they probably have a moment of like, 
That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's good. You know, another thing that just kind of aids to this, like, I don't care about this character feeling is that you're introduced to this character, this bad guy. You're even given less info, really, than, like, Quimby, who you kind of get early on, plus they, like, regale you with all this personal information, and so you're like, yeah, cool, I know this guy. He's, uh, he's my and, friend. And no, Quimby, Quimby is interesting because he's not who he appears to be. He's specifically fixated on our main character, and yet he parallels our main character. So he's well used. Yeah. And part of the thing about the villain is like, one, I don't like their like over-the-top movie gags. I don't like their lines. I don't like their swimming in a world of cinema all the time. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care about that. Yeah, I see? Yeah, Harley Quinn, the true power of friendship, yeah. swimming in a world of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Headline, local man saves if I was just reading this issue by issue and I didn't know how long it was going to go, maybe I would feel differently. But that I know that, like, we're this far in, you're telling me this stuff, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm wrong, that you're going to be disappeared in the, the course of the next two books. Like, how can I yeah. care about you a whole lot? That's exactly what I was just talking with Ange about last night. Again, she was telling me about these romance books, and she's like, if they kiss in the first 50 pages, I'm like, fuck this. You just gave away all the tension, all the buildup. And I was like, that is a, the critique that I gave my friend Danny about his song the other day. You guys mm. kiss. I was like, you have this. Yeah, if we kiss no, I was like, with, <laughs> within you playing the song. You have the, like, starts with a nice soft verse and a little bit of buildup. And then it, the band kicks in. There's this cool little guitar lick. And then the second verse doesn't come in. It just goes into this crazy guitar solo. I was like, that's awesome. Save it build up to it you know uh, let mm -hmm. there be some release when it happens mm. you know not just like here's the coolest part of the song now that that's out of the way here's another verse you please know, like, listen to the rest of it yeah exactly like just creating some sort of dynamic up and down as you climb that roller coaster mm -hmm. you know and that's kind of how i felt about this it was it was just like oh already is that real is that you know, maybe it's a misdirect. No, this is the one. Yeah, you know? there's nothing left at that point yeah. other than just having the meet up and whatever the conflict will be. Kind of showed your hand, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Have we never made the Amber Ange romance novel connection prior to this? Because Amber is steeped in. Are they like, is there one about them? No, like going not at that it? I know. <laughs> no, but I would read it. <laughs> making... Unless they kiss in the first 50 pages. Because it gives it like, away. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. But unless, like with all mediums and tropes, if you could figure out a way to subvert that. Yes. Like, they kiss, and then 10 pages later, one of them dies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, duh. yeah, totally. Like, if you're aware of the tropes, and so you... Yeah. Uh, it's like when Steve Rogers and Bucky kissed, and then, you know, Bucky fell off, and he came back as a villain. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Right? Spoilers! God. I'm I don't so want to watch all 18 of, of those movies. All right, so the climax leads into book five as Harley is captured. Uh, Duke is knocked out. And Quimby is made to choose whether to save Harley or to kill her for the nanny he once loved. And to me, he is so far removed from that person, from that life, and has spent all these years fixated on Harley mm -hmm. and is now finally getting to know her. To me, this is a no-brainer. There's not any conflict in his mind. There's no, I don't get the suspense here. Despite the fact that he visually 
turns the gun in her direction and stuff. It just doesn't seem like it. I think he does it because he's sort of like... Well, he shoots the camera. Probably under some sort of uh, violent threat there. Uh So he's like, okay, I'm going to play along. How the fuck am I going to get out of this? But There needed to be, and I I know there's examples, but I can't think of anything specific, but it's when a story does this where a character... We meet a character, and then they directly fall under suspicion later, and Mm -hmm. usually it's a scene that only the audience has shown where like they do something creepy or weird. Yeah. But then... It turns out to just be like some weird, creepy or weird thing they have, but they're still a good guy or a good character. Yeah. There's not enough of that with him. We get like the room, but even that's not enough. There needed to be more like some kind of argument with his mother, and then he loses it and does yeah. something really like, oh, that's, that's a, maybe a bit more too much. For me. Yeah, to show that there's something more going on inside that, that he is capable of flipping on her because the nanny came back. Yeah, there's, that there's would be good that. because right now I think of that meme. There's the red button on the left and the red button on the right. Mm-hmm. And then there's the picture of the guy sweating and scratching his head like, oh, no, how can I decide? You know, and, and a lot of storytelling is putting your characters through really hard choices. And what does that do to them? How does that change them? Right. And I, I just felt like, well, I know what he's going to do uh-huh. as soon as I read it. And you could use your, your imagination to envision like, oh, that sounds like a rough childhood experience and experiences and i could imagine she was the one silver lining of it but it's like bitch you gone crazy like i don't (laughs) yeah it's not the way it's presented is not challenging yeah you a bad guy like it's very clearly painted this lady is off her rocker and is not the person you once knew he's already trying to talk her down nothing about him seems bent enough to accept her the way we've seen her or at least if issue four had ended with him going ethel Really? And she's like, yeah, now I'm fucking Starlet. And he's like, that's kind of hot. You know, like, uh, I, like, I like the look, the name. Can we change if the If he name? was yeah. bought in when the reveal was made and he wasn't instantly like, what? Why? Jesus Christ, you yeah. know? But that was kind of his, he had a natural human response to like, oh, this, this is, is nuts. Wrong. Yeah. Don't do this. <laughs> we have reason to question the like mental stability of some of these characters already. But the fact that they would show up and be like, I know we haven't seen each other for a long time. I'm bad and I've been doing bad stuff. And you need to come with me right now. <laughs> and I'm going to kill your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Change, change <laughs> no, your wait. life. Come hang with me. And, you kill your yeah. girlfriend. And then expect that the person would be like, Excellent argument. Yeah. I am coming with this you. This is like the person you haven't seen from high school trying to give you the multi-level marketing pitch, you know? Oh my God. It's like, well, I don't even know you. Yeah. Come on. It's been 20 years. This, uh, I don't think that I just, I don't care for scenarios like this, and I, maybe I'll put them in the same category as like the what we talked about the scenes in the movies where people have misunderstandings because they don't share they don't stuff. stop and yeah, talk I, really well, yeah, I just yeah. hate this shit. Like this, mm. this next like six pages or something, I was like, uh, I didn't know. Yeah. What, I didn't even want to read that. Like the pulling and the whole like, I need you to make a life changing decision right now. And then like the back and forth. I was like, I'm not feeling this. It can totally work, but it has to be earned. It has it very carefully built up. And what we really needed was just way more of why would he care about her enough to do any of these insane things? Quimby was built, but they had only given us a tiny glimpse at any Their connection to her. Yeah, because we just met, and her. therefore, yeah, exactly. I don't think that it's like an inability of mine to act no, in you're crisis scenarios. You're yeah. stunted. Um, but the, we're all a little but, fucked but up the, if we're doing yeah, this. But the kind of scenario <laughs> that they're, they're proposing here where like, yeah, you just have to make this. You can only choose this or you can only choose this. And you have to do the in this instant and stuff. I'm like, man, I... 
that'd be a real pickle. I'd, I'd have to sit. I'd, I'd, I'd have to grab one of those theater seats for a while. You, you guys hang tight. Yeah, put on think my thinking this. cap, yeah, gotta, and uh, you guys just take five, get yeah, some yeah, lunch. Hang tight. Like, you seem to like hamming it up. So go ahead and ham it up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the thing I'll say in defense of this scene is that it didn't last that long. It wasn't like. No, we're talking about in, it too long for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't uh, like. It's just a critical part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Even for the moment it lasts, there was no tension. There is a great line here. Gotham is a stage, and the real celebrities are the villains, not the false idols like Sophia Valentine. This is said, I believe, by the producer, you know, waiting in the wings. The producer is also someone that we don't really get any real backstory or motivation for. This is how you would introduce a character in Batman issue 300 in 1976. Yes. Like, four years from now, they'll come back and they'll do something. Like, that's... Unless this becomes that universe, that's not what we have. Yeah, if this is an idea for their next installment or something, because I know that he's working on a third or, or, I guess, fourth at this point. But, yeah, if he doesn't come back and be like, well, that was... It should have just been Starlet alone at that point, you know? Because they have their little conflict or whatever, but it's so brief and not really, again, like, essential to the story. But I did like that line and the, just that observation, the commentary mm-hmm. about, like the rich people will fawn over Bruce Wayne and he'll get all the girls and whatever, but like the real celebrities are all these crazy characters that they've got to do horrible things. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, not people much dress different. Up like the Joker. We, we know that. Yeah, me. It's not that much different though than commentary on American life of like, mm-hmm. we watch all these Netflix, HBO documentaries about serial killers and stuff. And so I just thought for that character, in my opinion, to be, pretty much irrelevant or underutilized he had one of the best lines in the whole book right there i also like the seeming awareness of like the levels of even the villain game you know like mm-hmm. you're not an a-list villain you're, you're like you're sub-level at best you have no crew yeah <laughs> now we're getting into the next episode here is celebritize a word, or am I making that up? Well, get on that quick, because someone's going to take it if Could it's Could be now, yeah. Next, we have a flashback. Harley meets Joker for the first time after Jack's accident. So this is the first time Joker is actually talking to her. Heavy two-faced vibes. He's using we pronouns. They're playing a little card game that leads to a little keepsake for her. He gives her another card that says, you know, don't give up on me yet. It, I don't know if I'm remembering this from the first time I read this book, or was that actually in, like, Curse or something? Mm, is it new to this? Okay, it could be new to this. Celebritize is a word, I looked it up. But I thought that was cool, giving the little diamonds that she wears on her gesture suit some origin, in the same way that they did the pudding stuff earlier, the loot and bud. I mean, it's really cool to me, taking a very dense story with a lot going on, and taking these moments to slow down, give us a little world-building stuff just for the two main characters and keep him relevant in this story. I like story. the way that they use flashbacks in this. It's like it's all very fluid. And it gives you a good window into her state of mind that she's constantly kind of bouncing for back sure. to yeah, that. Yeah. She's still reeling with his death and who she is apart from that for sure this is how she's living this is what occupies her mind all it's easy to forget that he's dead because we see him every fourth page yeah 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 and i think that's by design really yeah, because sure. he was one of the best parts they got fucking statues and action figures and you know hardcover editions with his face on him yeah. like we want more of it 
I'm done with the Joker. I don't need any more Joker. But I know you don't. I get Joker fatigue sometimes too. That's why we did all the fucking ninja episodes earlier this season. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, I need a break. There's some Poison Ivy stuff because we're about to get to her again. Like, Speaking of which, yeah. Ivy checks in on Harley after her encounter with Starlet, advising her not to compartmentalize her personalities like Bruce and Jack had done, which was sort of the downfall of both of them. One dead, one locked up. Tells her to embrace the chaos. Be all of those things. She mentions a couple times, like, I'm the supervillain, I'm the psychiatrist, I'm none of them, or all of them, I don't really know. But I like Ivy's advice of, like, y- you are all of those things. You're not just one version. We have the person we are at work and the person we are with our parents. On our World of Warcraft mm-hmm. forums, all that stuff. <laughs> I'm a giant not me, ogre. But, um, that was one of the best, like, big picture moments of any of these in White Knight of, like, Here's a theme for the whole thing to mm-hmm. kind of like think about and chew on while you're reading the specifics of the story. Like, it's about that. And again, testament to the writing, you're getting another character who's barely in this, but is removed enough to have that perspective and be objective and say, look at all the main characters, guys. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to keep going down that road or do you want to break the mold? Much like I said about the producer, Ivy is actually used very well in this scene. Yeah, similarly to Bruce also that not so much in the earlier scene, but in this where she's just here to help. Like she hardly seems like a villain as much as just like a a nice caring character. Yeah, her first appearance seemed weird, but this is more like what I would expect. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we're friends and I'm just telling you. As someone who's not really involved in this. too, because it's like, what the fuck are you doing here kind of thing? Mm. I don't want Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on my door right now. (laughs) Go away. Good advice can come from anywhere, though. And I'll take this with me into real life, too. Thank you, comic book. Uh, (laughs) Good line. (laughs) Thank you, banana. (laughs) So Duke shows up. As Ivy kind of vanishes, they deduce that Sophia's Lifetime Achievement Award is bound to be the grand finale here. There was some mention from Starlet about like an audience and um, they're just kind of going, oh, well, if she said that to you and then this to me, okay, it's got to be that. And that's kind of what the whole thing's building toward. She goes home and puts her twins to bed and this is juxtaposed on the left and right side of the page with a cool Scarlet or Starlet suit up sequence. Instantly at the end of it, it goes like, do you smell gas and this is wild. Like the whole apartment complex explodes. Backdraft. At Harley's place. Don't spoil it. I still haven't seen it. I'm about God to see it. Damn it. <laughs> it was almost 30 years ago. What? You haven't seen Backdraft? I've got around it. There's a lot of movies. Oh, man. It's pretty good. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Bruce sees this on the news and very casually escapes prison with. His words. He kind of twists the guard's arm like, yo, how many times have I fucking... Cleaned up your mess. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Bailed you out. You're like, let me see Jason Todd, which is interesting because at the end of Curse, when we meet Jason Todd, I got the impression he's kind of like in the military. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the impression that he was the warden of the prison. Well, my thought was that Batman brought him in so that he would be the warden of the prison because he's the one person who could do the best job of making sure Bruce didn't escape. Interesting. So, like, huh. he was in the military, and now we don't see any of that middle stuff. I appreciate your headcanon. <laughs> yeah, on that. yeah, that's good. yeah. That's cool. I, had a, I was in a similar boat where I was like, I don't see how you get here from there, but but I like it. I'm, here we are. And that's I'm pretty fine. sure I'm not completely making that up. I think that was the implication. No, that's they good. just didn't do any 
of the work and of them showing you that. They probably did and just cut it. Like we don't have time for this shit. Mm. This is too I, much. I like. We got all this great producer stuff. <laughs> oh, shut up! <laughs> yeah, like oh man, more movie stuff. I liked because I was also fooled that the cover for this issue has Jason on the front. Yeah. And at first I was like, why would you why? do this? <laughs> like, why would you? I mean, oh, granted, it doesn't end up being really a thing. Like, uh, he gets duped and Bruce takes his costume. But why would you do this? Only to read through it and be like, you clever bastards. It wasn't Jason in the suit anyways. Like, yeah. you kind of spoiled something and also tricked me at the same time. In hindsight, it just feels like another, like, I don't know how much longer I'll get to do this. I would like to draw my version of the Red Hood, please. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to draw this guy. Yeah. Good. I thought that was cool that he gets his one-on-one with Jason and then he just like takes one step back, hits the fucking button on the wall and locks him in. Like, sorry. Well, you know, he doesn't have to beat up any guards or anything. He just puts on Jason's helmet, yeah. his jacket, walks right out. There's a whole lot of things that I think would suck about being incarcerated, but a lot of it is just you're being kept a place against your will, yeah. I guess. I think and that's something you don't appreciate yeah. until it happens to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Oh, like, that's why this is so sure. bad. The small quarters, <laughs> the confinement and stuff, there's many reasons in which it would suck. But I was just thinking that that's funny that for Bruce, that's not even a factor. Like, why would he actually even care? He's just like, I'll just spend my time. I, I actually could leave whenever I want to. Um, <laughs> everybody leaves me alone. Yeah, this food is could be better. But I'm also going to go home to this place when I get done. So whatever, I'm just biding my time. But the yeah. fact that he's like, so not that just wouldn't be a factor for him. Like yeah. any of the things that would normally bother a person about being locked up are not. I finally have time to brood. I have to go out and do things. <laughs> like, Damn, yeah, seriously. What I like about this and I guess this is sort of a backhanded compliment because I don't think you can have Batman free during the climax of the story and just sit it out because eh, it'll be good for her. So I don't think he should have escaped. But in a lot of stories, you'll be like, I could break your neck in 10 different places, but I choose not to because blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, I could escape. Like Ra's al Ghul, mm-hmm. I could escape from this fucking cage you've got me in in the Batcave in a hundred different ways, mm-hmm. right? But they don't show you do it. Well, in this, they show he's been there for two years. He seems to be pretty well acclimated to it. And then he sees something happen to someone he really cares about and slips out so fucking easily that it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Is one of those action speaks louder sort of things of like, it reveals a lot about where he's at in his life. And then... Doesn't do anything. Doesn't need to be out, we mm-hmm. find, but... They did a pretty good yeah. job of covering that up, because I didn't even think of that until you mentioned it, that, like, oh, he's out and about during the end of this. <laughs> he's just... Yeah. He's getting the little gift for her set up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. it, I gotta clean out this apartment. I can't <laughs> be bothered with these fucking half-rent villains, you know? I think it's interesting, too, just the way that this universe plays stuff different, that he goes to the apartment-ish, and he's standing across the street, and he's between these uh, two buildings with, like, Bullock, and then just that everybody knows who everybody is in this. And so, like, he's not Batman masked up having a gruff voice talk with Bullock. They're just two dudes who know each other, and he's like, yo, man, you really can't do this because you'll just get in more trouble. It'll make your sentence longer. Like, probably don't, bro. And he's like, yeah, you, right. Thanks, Bullock, buddy. <laughs> no problem, Bats. Yeah, yeah, so no let, problem. Let me dive into that here. So the end of, of book five here, emotionally, to me, is, is really the climax. 
Harley is in the fire. She finds one of her babies, Bryce, and tries to get the hyena, like, here, take his fucking, you know, shirt in your mouth or whatever, take him out of here, save him. And the hyenas kind of rub noses together, and Lou runs back into the fire. So she takes her baby and gets out with Bud. So there's a beat where Bruce does watch from across the street. He's about to go in, and Harvey's like, don't. You're going to double your sentence. And at that moment, we see Lou jump out through a window with Jackie, the other baby. There's a good build of suspense here while she's like with the EMTs and and the cops and and stuff. And it's like, somebody going after them. What the fuck's going on? You know, my baby's still in there. And that really hit me. So Jackie is rescued. You know, the EMT puts oxygen on. I'm like, okay, he's fine. And she, like, holds the baby, and it's like, oh, thank God. And there's this big sigh of relief, and then you just hear this little whimper from off screen, and Lou cries and dies there. That really got me, actually. They don't linger there for very long. They In the next one, they don't, like, come back to it, but yeah. I've felt all of that I pretty strongly. I didn't care about the hyenas at all. <laughs> that makes me sad. I actually cried, too, when I, I read it. I just like the scene because it's the first time you see her really care about her kids both in the sense of seeing that, but also neutralizes her own self-doubt of like, am I even a good mom? Do I even care about them? My favorite times mm-hmm. is not yeah. being around them. Yeah. And like when the chips are down, she does care mm-hmm. That's fundamentally. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. R.I.P. Lou, he was a good boy. Book six opens with a flashback of Harley stopping Joker from killing Jason. They get in a fight. He actually slashes her leg with a razor blade as she's kicking him, and and Lou attacks and bites him for it. She leaves them to go find Batman and has the hyenas protect Jason from Joker. So earlier, I can't remember if it was book one, I think we were like, so is Jason dead? We couldn't quite tell. And like he obviously shows up later, but this kind of finally gives us the full story I like it because it, again, they don't go back to, you know, the dead dog. They don't pick up right there, but they do give another sense of like his loyalty, selflessness, mm-hmm. you know, toward her, um, which I really like. I think some of this was retcon though, because I feel like the way it was presented in the others was just like she couldn't handle it and she left. Where in this, it's like it's not that. It's like this is wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go get help. I do think you're right. They probably gave themselves a little bit of creative liberty on this to makes her a little better yeah a little more moral a little more heroic in listening to their interview about it too is like how do you make her a sympathetic character because you know in comics it took so long even after she split from him to change the direction of her character and make her a little bit more of a hero where that joker fucking is a mass murderer, not even a serial killer, but a mass murderer. Those hyenas so, probably mutilated a lot of people, maybe even killed them. Yeah, and so that, mm-hmm. I mean, that takes a decade to mm-hmm. change the course of her character. And so in this, we know it's the Joker, but I think they do a pretty sanitized version of it in all of these books of like, yeah, he is, but he hasn't fully gone that far yet well even her because they just split her into two characters like here's the bad one here's the one who did all the really bad stuff and she was the good one before that and then she ducked out when things got too crazy that's mm. true yeah yeah she was the that's more good uh, wholesome uh, we were just having adventures for fun with Mr. J character yeah. 
this is like politics and like rebranding people, you know, to make it more palatable. <laughs> and split you into two politicians. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So back to present day, Montoya takes her off the case because now it's too personal. And Harley goes to the GTO where the 89 Batmobile is waiting and she gets a new suit from Batman. So what is Batman doing right now, not in prison, suited up, giving her a costume? And why not isn't, helping. Yeah, yeah why isn't that's he what I'm back saying. In, why isn't he back in prison already? Like, just, they can have the escape just to show that about him. Yeah. And then he gets there and like, oh, well, I can't do this. And then have him to go and, you know, all right, I got to get in my fucking cosplay room and stitch this up for her. Yeah. The, the is that es- Batman down on the corner sitting on his car? No. <laughs> He's in prison, no. isn't he? Yeah. Nah, it couldn't be. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, if it left off where it did and you just had the talk with Bullock and then you just didn't see him again and assumed that he went back to jail. Yeah. That would have been cool. But to see him in this part, create some other scene where she gets a present. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Get it from Leslie. Get it from anybody, really. Is Lucius in this? I don't know. Somebody, some other resource that he has. Bruce asked me to give this. Because how much time has passed? Like, did he go back to prison and then escape the Return the costume and the motorcycle. (laughs) Yeah. Or or has he been out the whole time and he just kind of comes and goes when he wants and nobody really cares? Well, here's my question to you guys. So she's presented with the new suit from Batman. We get the black and gray version of the gesture suit. So it's sort of Harley Quinn meets Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even like Batgirl or Nightwing that are different. It's very much modeled after him. What do we think about the the new design? I like it. Batman aside, darker colors make sense in a dark urban setting. Yeah, they um, made jokes before about like, oh, I can't sneak around. You're wearing bright fucking red. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's. Co- I mean, on the other hand, her whole Belt hammer holding yellow. system. I mean, one, it is more of a nod to Batman Batman's colors. costume. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, there's that. But also, like, I want you to, to blend no, in. Aside no from this neon it. belt, yeah. Did you see that hammer just fly by? Yeah. I don't know what. <laughs> um, but I do like all it's the like other. John Cena is just invisible. One thing that was always cool, I think, about her costume, and same with Catwoman's, at least early on, was that they're just like, it's so tight, it's impossibly tight. There's no pockets, there's no seams, there's no nothing. Somehow yeah. it's just right on your skin, no underpants. Um, this being And the black like is very again. slimming, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I also do like, I like a collar and I like a hood, and she has that like Spider-Gwen hood. Yeah, yeah it is very uh, Spider-Gwen. Yeah, it is. And again, I just like the maskless suit. Like they're treating yeah. comic suits and not going other directions that we've seen where she's... Suicide Squad style or just wearing clothes. New 52 you know, clothes. stuff where it's a total different person. It's just like, mm-hmm. no, this is Harleen dressed in the suit. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. I also like the colors because it ties back into the, like, the golden age of cinema. Everything's True. like mm-hmm. no color, no mm-hmm. saturation yeah. other than the belt. Later on when they have the fight and she pulls out the hammer, this kind of a click 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 like it you know it's shorter and then it can extend and it turns into a bigger hammer yeah but and i had to stop and look at it and he did change it in slightly other ways but at first glance you'd be the guy to look back at other pages and be like was that hanging there yeah no i did because i was like all i can tell is that this thing just got longer like yeah the head head isn't any bigger i was like this is a golf club yeah it's not more formidable it's just longer but it turns out that like in that one, the ends look just kind of flat and pancaked, and then in here, it looks more broad. I had the same thought. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> this doesn't... 
this isn't any better or cooler <laughs> or stronger or threatening or anything. But that addresses a long-running Harley Quinn thing where she'll be in a situation and then just have it. <laughs> she didn't bring oh, it. Yeah. She didn't have it she before. She left it over there behind the wall. <laughs> like, yeah. just out of nowhere, it's like, you know, they could be having lunch and get ambushed or something, and then it's like, well, time to fucking bust skulls. I have my mallet now. Uh-huh. And so I did like that they addressed that because I've seen it just magically appear before. That's funny. At the film festival, Harley wears Lou's collar and... That's something actually I did on tour. I wore my cat's bracelet after I had to leave tour and put him down and then go back on tour. Observational critique. Murphy's cover says Lou and hers just has an L on it. The L, yeah. They did not get on the same page The bell rings, so they're not... um, There's another you suck at sneaking around when Duke shows up. And I want to address this running gag because... She says the same thing to Batman in this, and she says it in Curse when he visits her pregnant, like on the rooftop. But Duke would have no knowledge of this at all. I mean, maybe that's the point of realizing that it's hypocritical, someone else calling her on the thing she calls somebody else on. But for me, it just seemed like one character talking like another character, mm-hmm. and therefore talking like the writer. Because there's yeah. another thing where Bullock says to Bruce when they're outside the fire, you know I'm good with bending the rules. After Harley had told Duke that he, quote, likes bending the rules before the starlet fight. And so there's numerous examples throughout this book of characters who did not witness anyone else saying that, saying the same thing verbatim in another context, yeah. and I find mm-hmm. that really odd. I think that would be a challenge to like create a world, and even if it was a dozen characters, all of which you... Not in this case, but say you're a novelist and you conjure all these characters and then all of them are going to think and speak differently than you, but you need to be able to channel that whenever you need to yeah. to present their character. That, that would be freaking hard. biggest deterrent for ever even attempting fiction before. And then it wasn't until diving into it a little bit more one just doing this show for two years has been so educational but then like you know watching some youtube stuff and reading some other just like script outlines and you're going oh okay the characters are chosen in the story for a specific reason they do a certain thing in the story they serve a purpose so when two characters are placed in a scene together the audience should know what each person essentially wants to get out of that scene automatically, you know? And so once you kind of establish their motivation and you already have built their personality, well, okay, then it becomes a little easier to avoid those things Mm -hmm. because before I was really caught up in that, like, how do they do it? These magicians come up with, you know, (laughs) like like you said, how can you have a dozen characters and speak in different voices? Like, oh, because you all know their unique point of view and backstory and what led them to this moment. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them too, though, even great writers, the characters don't have a realistic array of voices. They have a realistic array of, they say things according to their motivation. And a tone for that story. Yeah, but they all, often, even great writers, they all talk kind of the same. So much so that when someone is introduced of like, this is a young person, so they speak in slang, it sticks out like a sore thumb. (laughs) Frank Miller. Yeah, now they're the one person who doesn't talk like every other character does. I don't shiv. (laughs) I don't shiv, Mm -hmm. man, get that pipe. (laughs) Spud likes it. Sometimes you have a narrator, like a real narrator, 
And then other times you just have like inner monologue. Yeah, the book voice telling you about the scene in which no no one is describing, so it's just the book telling you about the mm -hmm. thing. But you're right because then you'll have Denise and Tommy, and they all. More I haven't or read less, that one. <laughs> no, I'm just making up names. That are all more or less the author's tone. Yeah. Umbrella-ing everybody, including the book itself. So in the uh, the climax here, the final scene, the producer hijacks their radios, takes responsibility as like the puppet master, like, oh, I got Quimby assigned to the case. I blocked the search warrant. Kind of James Bonding the whole thing from <laughs> off screen. <laughs> yeah. Harley runs into the control room to catch him and finds the whole crew there dead. He can't have her as one of his new villains, which is sort of alluded to, I think, twice in the story that really his ultimate goal is creating these new villains. You know, she would be one of them and Quimby would be one of them. And obviously Starlet was the first and kind of restore this what chaos to Gotham special. Yeah, he wants exactly. to make a, a new rogues gallery. Yeah, exactly. And I think we know that, but well, how is introducing Quimby to his murderous former nanny going to make him or how is doing this stuff to Harley going to make her into a new villain and also if you wanted to make Quimby a new villain by killing Harley you can't have Harley as a new villain so like I just didn't follow exactly how he was going to achieve this well in this scene to me it seemed like more like the reveal that he doesn't want her to be a new villain he wants her to be the new hero which again yeah, is like the yeah. overall, overall thing yes, of the book. Yes, that's the turn here. Like, okay, well, if I can't have you as my new villain, then you're going to be my new nemesis. To me, it felt more like that was the goal all along. Well, she was on the fucking He He does say that board or he whatever. originally was thinking that she'll be part of this villain lineup. Oh, yeah. Um, but after stuff started to play out and a couple unanticipated twists and turns that now he sees her as the new hero in uh -huh. Batman's absence and he's going to continue making these villains. Yeah. So Quimby presents the award to Sophia and both of them amazingly just, yeah, let's carry on with this public procedure. You know, I think about like the dark Knight, where like, okay, it's been a threat on the mayor's life. You need to prepare for this in some way. Sure. We can carry on with it, but like we're, uh -huh. we're, not involved in their thought process going into it, so we don't know what they've done to kind of prepare for this. Make sure nobody's like, in the control room. In, in <laughs> V for Vendetta, where he like takes all the uh, people in as hostages with the masks at the TV station, but then if yeah. everybody was like, but let's still keep broadcasting the TV, <laughs> like, let's not, don't worry about that, though. So Starlet interrupts here and throws knives at Sophia, but in the way a comic book would, she pins her to the wall with her dress, right? The knives pin her clothing. And then she threatens to kill her instead of killing her with those initial <laughs> knives. And Starlet takes Quimby as a hostage via a trap door in the stage. Basically like, fucking run away with me. And he's like, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> hey, no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> Remember the other theater? <laughs> <laughs> this is not happening. And then uh, Har Harley finds them and uses that extendable mallet that you mentioned. And this is where I wondered, because, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, a little gift from a friend. And then I thought, wait, where is he? They were just talking, you know, like. Mm. And then there's a great shot here. They're facing off. Starlet throws the knife and she just fucking nonchalantly just 
expertly deflects this knife, bounce right off of her, and she's ready to fucking keep fighting like, you know, that was nothing. And then turn and it deflected right into Quimby's chest, like just fucking right in the heart. That affected me. Yeah. And I didn't particularly love the character. I didn't hate him either, but just like yeah. it caught me off guard. Yeah, me too. That shot was so like he's like just visceral. And, yeah, yeah. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. I really love that part. And I can't even think of like it's a thing you might have seen in a movie here and there of like you deflect a bullet and mm-hmm. oh shit or, or, or something like well, that. Usually it's after the conflict has resolved. The, yeah, yeah, that you yeah, find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, right. Then there's the lull Quimby? after. Or something. Quimby? Yeah. Yeah, like you, the main villain died and then like one of your main characters reveals they had been shot after all or something, you know? But yeah, this was v- very well done. But I think it's also kind of one of those like they're exploring the cost of all this property damage in a real life Batman and stuff. But a lot of the, everything is like so focused on like hero versus villain. Yeah. The characters and the fight and stuff like that. We're being presented with this, like all of these super scenarios in which life and death decisions need to be made instantly over and over. And and somehow they're well suited for this, but as good as you could be with your ninja knife slap Mm -hmm. still consequences or still collateral damage or still like you go from one panel like oh badass to oh fuck around (laughs) you know like damn it well it's Uh, one of those things about you joker being a good foil for batman because he's not afraid of the pain you know like you can't punch your way out of this situation she's done all of this work (laughs) to mm -hmm. improve herself and is still taking a big fucking risk every time you suit up and go out there and do some Crazy heroic shit, you know? It's just built in. Yeah, this struck me as, like, legitimately tragic for a character yeah. that I don't like. Whatever, but they're exploring a lot of human stuff here, and maybe I felt a l- more human in reading it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, when this, I just totally unexpected and and not just unexpected, like, oh, crap, I didn't see that happen, but, oh, crap, and... Uh, that was really sad. I thought that this was just going to be some, uh, you're going to battle, you're probably going to win, and then something with Quimby, and it's, it'll be resolved. Like, I didn't... Yeah, they took the most developed new character and made him the casualty. And, and that's... He's- He's so Effective. nice in his death scene and stuff. Even, like even even as he's like fading away, like he's so like, don't worry about it. It was just it was cool to hang out with you. <laughs> Keep your costume. It looks super cool. Well, what's interesting about the way that that is framed is on one side you have his past and his mm-hmm. present both consoling him, both taken by this tragedy. You know, Starlet on one side, Harley on the other he's not just like an innocent bystander, but becomes the motivation for them really facing off mm-hmm. right after this. And so I think that just gives it more weight of like everyone in the scene, no matter which side is affected by this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that top panel where they're the, I mean, Harley hasn't known him for all that long or anything, but she feels for she him. She feels and, a connection. Yeah. A, a similarity. Neil, next to him mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of powerful too because Starlet is like screaming yeah. and Harley is just sitting there I don't but know they're both it. really affected by it yeah, yeah. These, but these rivals yeah the, these rivals together coming together for a moment because of this you know mutual compassion and mm-hmm. and then I think on. that works a lot better than like the lull in the Neo fight earlier 
that scene was great because it was very like Kill Bill 2 and then the little kid walks in. Yeah. Mm. But this one seemed like a more like, I mean, no question, a very legitimate. Like, we kind of both did this. Mm-hmm. We both had a part in this directly yeah, yeah. happening. Well, and we just like criticized a little bit like the a introduction lot. of the character Ethel and all that, that stuff and the tension of that scene. Mm-hmm. And so while it didn't work for those scenes, all the groundwork establishing their relationship does work for this scene. Yeah, we know enough of her motivation for this to work. We just didn't get enough of her kind of getting under his skin now to make him turn as well. But yeah, yeah, this is very well done. Um, Quimby does die, and when the cops show up, Harley instinctively puts her hands in the air, which I think is hilarious. Bullock gives her a set of keys with the Batman keychain on it. That's kind of what, what we were talking about, what could have been done with the suit of like, hey, from a mutual friend, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Leslie leads her to her new home. Have we seen this particular building in the other stories? I wasn't sure. Mm-mm. Okay. Because I felt similarly. I was like, where is this place that they all know about that I don't know I was like, about? Fuck, I should have reread about, those other two books. Yeah, damn it. Yeah. There's this... a whole comic series just about this building. It's yeah, really nice. damn. And then inside... There's a, a gift box waiting, and there's a new baby pup. In I there. hope it had holes in it. And that's very... That's what I thought. Yeah, I, was like, uh, I, I questioned that for a second, but I was like, oh, Leslie just walked them in, so she was just there. Anyway, yeah, that was a very, very nice ending to me. How do you guys feel about... Does, Anime. No, does, <laughs> yeah, does replacing an animal with an animal... That seems unhealthy, honestly. Help you? Not, D- yeah, does that help cause you? Because I know everyone has done it. I don't Eventually, but to do it right away. Yeah, what kind of time frame do you think that there should be? I will answer this in two ways. The first of which is funny. George Carlin talking about how the best thing about when uh, your dog dies is if you pick out a dog that looks exactly like your old dog, then you don't have to change your pictures around your house or anything. <laughs> he said, just throw them up on the counter and say, give me another one of these. So that aside, I totally agree with you until four years ago because sure. I had to put my cat down on that tour. Strangely, I just mentioned that. Maybe less than one month later, one of Angie's friends was really trying to give us her cat because where she lived didn't allow him and he was stuck with her old roommate and it was just this weird situation. She's like very insistent and we were like, would you want to like come over and you can bring him with and see like how the dog interacts, whatever. And they came over, they had all of his food and his stuff and they left. (laughs) I'm like, what? Mm Mm-hmm. He was just like in the first five minutes on my lap, and he's been on my lap for fucking four years. So, like, it, it actually was very, very helpful. We didn't feel like he was replaced. I didn't like call him the same things or whatever, but it was, you know, it, it does heal your heart a little bit. I just think it's one of those interesting things because we don't all, like in, in your case, sometimes I think that life presents us with stuff yes. that might expedite something that we like otherwise I would have waited a little bit longer but this opportunity came around these people left him here yeah yeah like yeah. that's okay yeah maybe that's how it was supposed to play out granted in this story Harley doesn't go to get a new hyena it's given it's to left her. in her house yeah. as well yes. um, <laughs> and I was just thinking on my own like it's I want to know what she's going to name it yeah it's just interesting <laughs> to me when stuff is clearly so significant Mm-hmm. And also 
so replaceable or something. Yeah, the worry or the danger is that it prevents you from processing or dealing with the yeah. loss in the first place, yeah. which it doesn't have to do. Yeah, but sure. that it could or that it will. Sure. If your parent passes away, we don't go to the parent <laughs> store and get new parents. There's, there are so many elderly people with no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. You can, yeah. yeah. I think it's home. a little weird, yeah. but it's also at the same time, I mean, there are, are just so many pets that are put down all the time just because they've been in the shelter too long or that they need a home. And, and if you do have more room in your home and more love to give, then it just, again, before I had seen how it can work, I was skeptical. I really, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I don't think that there's a wrong answer. It, was, it, it would be as individual as the individuals. It's, it's a really um, indirect way of telling me I'm right this time. I don't know if that counts. Well, I think you're wrong, Ooh. but not because you're wrong, but I kind of think it's because we don't get better. We just get more used to whatever the new situation is, and we get like tougher because eventually you just keep going and stuff keep happening, keeps mm -hmm. happening, and then you die. Yeah, like we can't catch up. Kind of, yeah. but I mean, that's just what it is. Uh -huh. Getting a new animal right away or getting a new hyena right away, it's, yeah, it's not I mean, bad. It's just sure, one yeah. Sure. Scenario. Yeah. Give yeah, it yeah. some time, absolutely. Give it some time. I don't, I'm not saying like go fucking window shopping. You don't, you don't want like a, a rebound girlfriend the, the day you break up. Lined you know? up right away. Yeah, it's, a little, yeah. it's a little much. You got you to gotta process some of that shit. Amber and I are banking on cloning technology being a thing by the time uh, that way we can just have... I'm convinced that Riley is the cutest dog. Or you could do the other way, which is just hope that you go first. See, I always thought Good that, but the, but I couldn't leave him because he wouldn't understand why is he not fucking here? He abandoned me. My fucking last mom abandoned me. God damn it. Uh, you know, like I, would, I wouldn't like that. Anyway, yeah, off topic. <laughs> Easter eggs. What do we have? The photo that Quimby shows, like, yeah, my mom was a famous person too, is a, a nod to the famous Sophia Loren, Jane Mansfield oh. photo where they're sitting at the table and she's kind of eyeballing her oh, cleavage. Oh, yeah. Wow, I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to smart. look at it. Yeah, I am smart, you're right. You, you with your Casablanca and your Jane Mansfield. <laughs> All right, I'll drop a couple. Do it. At Neo's house, when they have tea, she says, I think this mug is yours anyway. It says Paradise Meadows on it. And I was like, why is that familiar? And I looked it up. It was from the place where they had a hideout together. Oh. Uh, I believe on the episode Harley and Ivy. That's funny and because that's I totally the kind of shit you would research. Yeah, though. It's funny because I recall seeing that and being like, meh. Mental note. Yeah, yeah. like, uh, yeah. like, okay. yeah. You, you <laughs> put you put this here for a reason. I'm pretty sure. Sometimes an Easter egg can just be a thing for the people who get it right away. Yeah, and that's it. Harley's plain clothes shadow. So Harleen's shadow is the jester suit mm -hmm. at one point when she's walking, just like it's a side profile shot of her walking, which is one of my favorite panels from Harleen. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Hmm. They did it first, but it's still really cool. Mm -hmm. I like it. Well, they, they do it with Batman pretty yeah, often in the white, he's got ears. They did it in White Knight multiple times of like the oh, silhouette the, the bat the shadow. person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, cool. I had forgotten that. Still cool though. Harley's kid plays with makeup, of course, and we see he's all like Joker colors. She? Oh, there's whatever. a Winnie, it's a fucking what do you mean, baby? whatever doesn't count. They're not. People. I'm just saying because for the first half of the book, I thought they were twin boys, Bryce and Jackie. I mean, yeah. those those are pretty androgynous names. In that same scene, there is a Winnie the Pooh in one of the panels. Uh, That's mm. my Easter egg. The producer's <laughs> suit and vest, as we see him towards the end, are in Joaquin colors: the orange vest and the red jacket. 
Ethel's facial scars are sort of this textural quality like um, Alicia in 89, Jack's girlfriend was disfigured. And then again, Starlet's background is a cross between two episodes of Batman the Animated Series, Clayface as the disfigured actor and then Baby Doll, who Sean has mentioned as a particular favorite of his and was included briefly in one of them earlier. We saw her. She's the child actor that was like a little person, stayed that way and kind of ruined her her life. And he was the one, Mm. or she was the one that Batman was very sympathetic to later and hugged her kind of at the end. She has sort of a revenge plot against her original cast members and that's the theme of that show. And I hate that character and the way she talks and I've always loved the setup of it. And so... In a way, they took the kind of better part of that episode and interjected it into this hmm. with the whole dashing dames and, and whatever. I think she does have a good motivation being disfigured by one of the actors and seeing you know her life flash by her, but we didn't get it from her point of view at all. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, that's my Easter eggs. Pros? Uh, the colors, as I said, I love this palette. It made it very easy to... And Jess, because I wasn't like, ah, this is fucking miserable. I don't want to be there. Yeah, I think he really does a lot of the heavy lifting. It's a much more minimalist style from Mateo Sclera. Just a lot of extra work, I feel like, in the colors. that Starlet's design. I really like that character's design. Mm. As I've complained about, and as I've said, a lot of these characters, Batman characters, or comic book characters in general, were dumb ideas, dumb premises, dumb things, and they just stuck around because people made them work. Yeah. Her design is really cool, because it's a nice mixture of, like, Joker... Harley Quinn kind of stuff, mm-hmm. while being a new take on it, less clowny, more focused on film, but it has the same kind of like almost like Domino Deadpool sidekick of yeah. like mm-hmm. the black and white, but it has that like kind of mimey look. Just mm-hmm. I like that design a lot. Yeah, that color contrast, especially in this pretty bright world, is interesting. Like it'll stand out for the opposite reasons. Mm-hmm. It's not extra bright in a bright world. It's kind of it's devoid of color instead. It's like the opposite of the Sin City where like everyone's black and white but the blood is red or something like that. It's like everything's nice vivid colors except you. Mm -hmm. And I also like that she's supposed to be indicative of an era and so rather than like creating a costume that's part now and part then and whatever they're just like oh she's a flapper girl. (laughs) She's a bad flapper girl. She throws, you know, bad and, flapper. Yeah, white knight. Bad <laughs> yeah, flapper. yeah, and I think it's kind of cool. Maybe it's kind of a gimme, but it's also kind of tight. Mateo does a really good job, like clearly being influenced by Murphy while also being himself, and then the combination of like, I don't know what it would look like if Hollingsworth colored his stuff also, and how much. Would that make it look even more like Murphy's stuff? Yeah. Or what? So it's kind of nice that Stewart, who has been killing it, can do a different take on it and just kind of help set it apart a little more. And I agree with that, and that's on my list. And you made me think of, though, it is cool that Murphy and Hollingsworth do the covers, though. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a, a mm-hmm. neat way to just make the whole world fit Tied together. In, you yeah, know? yeah, totally. We'll just... Every once in a while, you'll see another image that will remind you that this is the same universe. I said before that it reminded me of 90s Disney, and it does. But as you were talking there, it made me think, not only do I want to see this style animated, more than I want to see like the Sean Murphy art, I want to see this art animated. That makes sense. It looked like uh, mm-hmm. Anastasia. 
That's the movie I saw, which I think is that Don Bluth. Uh-huh. That's it's not Disney. Yeah, that's what this design really looks like in this, mm. like hmm. the faces and the overall style of it, which is awesome. I mean, oh wait, yeah, I could see that because Don Bluth did uh, American Tale. Yes, and the yeah the the God, a, adult okay. faces are yeah yeah I could see that yeah way more than Disney I mean the, obviously because Don Bluth probably pulled some from Disney of course who yeah. didn't yeah mm-hmm. the uh, interior scenes like I said the really fluent use of flashbacks and not yeah. only how they go in and out of them but just how it aids the story it does nothing but benefit it in my mind the further exploration of Harley's relationship with Jack and Batman and weaving her into these past storylines that we thought we knew, but turns out she's been there the whole time and has actually been even more of a critical element than we would have previously thought. Yeah. And then I really like Bruce in this. I like him a lot better as like a caring father who also kicks butt. Yeah. He's Uh, a mentor in this. Yeah. I like him a lot. Mine are very similar. I will start, though, with just saying it's much more consistent than Curse. You know, I, I had a harder time getting through that because it was so back and forth in uh, tone and timeline and, and stuff. And this one is way more just a Gotham detective story and character evolution. And I just related to a lot more. So it was much more consistent. As you said about deepening Jack and Harley with flashbacks, as we've talked about it, there's a lot of fan service in all of these, and that's one of my favorite things about it. But the fan service in this story enriches the characters. Mm. It's not just there as like, oh, that's a cool Easter egg, right? But it's actually like we are getting origins of... Jack falling into the acid, origins of the suit of diamonds on her uniform, origins of their nicknames and stuff like that. I mean, every one of those was done, not just make you go, oh, gee, I noticed that. That's cool. No one's ever explained that before. But also to serve the story and where these characters' heads are at, what they're going through right now. So I just feel like that's really expertly done Mm -hmm. in this and not... Oh, here's a nod to... Remember this? Something. Remember that? Yeah. How well-read do you think... She, has she been reading stuff, like, all the while? Or was she suddenly like, hey, you're going to write a story? Is so she a fake comics girl? Shut bone up. Bone up real fast. I know from listening to Sean's podcast for a few years, as well as listening to two interviews that Katana did, one with Sean, one without, on the Bat Force... Um, so I'm not speaking like I know these people, but just from listening to them quite a bit, Sean's comic knowledge seems very limited. Not his experience mm-hmm. or anything, but Clay brings up shit all the time that's like, oh yeah, that's like in blah, 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 and whatever. He's like, oh really? Yeah, I never read that. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time on that show. So like um, Sean literally just watched a ton of the animated series and that's like his huge influence from the animated series and the Burton world. Like, Really, I don't know how much he's kept up on it since then from the amount of references just, and I'm talking not like all the time, but like accumulatively over years of listening to that show, there have been so many times 
were what yeah i never heard of that i don't know really someone else did that shit they beat me to it i thought uh-huh. i was being so clever you know like <laughs> you know because they talk about white knight and this whole series on there both as it's being made after it's come out and just however it ties into those animated episodes so when katana is talking about this she's like he got me into the character by showing me her episodes of the animated series you know and i know she did her due diligence and did some reading on harley as well but like my impression is that it is more and i don't mean this in a disparaging way but like more fan service of like yo i love these characters from a certain time in my life and this is my take on it as opposed to I've been following the whole continuity. I know exactly how these characters would. It's like, no, this is my version of this world. I might be off in that assessment, but I, I think for Sean, a lot of it is a, like a, a time capsule that he's drawing from versus like keeping up on all the other creators' projects. That's interesting because my only mini cons would be that despite the fact that it does have some pretty serious moments, I kind of felt like I was watching a cartoon the whole time. Like I felt like I was watching. Wouldn't that make it better for you? I thought you like cartoons better than real people. Um, I mean, cartoony in a, like a Warner brothers cartoon versus like a serious (laughs) animated film. I felt like I was watching something a little comical sometimes further aided by, all of the movie stupid villains and all uh, of their lines. Yeah. Or even when um, Starlet shows up and she chucked the knives at Quimby's mom and stuff. And I just kind of, <laughs> I kind of felt like how Ben feels sometimes where I guess like it's not something I can quantify, but I think somewhere between the art being like a little more cartoonish yeah. than Murphy's and then these silly characters and then just some of the stuff that happens, it just felt, Slightly less serious. It than pulls you out of the reality of it. Well, let's qualify this though, because who's the marquee on this title? Batman is really, really small. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a Harley Quinn book. I mean, what's the movie we just reviewed? She introduces herself and makes a joke about taking a dump. I mean, this—that's who this person is. She is not going to have. And maybe I'm setting myself up for failure because we're following this with Harleen. But in most cases she is not going to have the same tone as a Joker story or a Batman story. It's going to be more silly because that's built into her. Sure. And, and so having some other characters that are a little more lighthearted would make sense. But I get what Evan's saying, too, because it's not just like the characters, but it is just something about the way the world moves. Yeah. To me, even though you're saying this is that like White Knight was less of that, even White Knight felt like that to me of where it's like it wants to be both. Mm-hmm. Still really, really good, but it kind of that's a hurdle or like a roadblock that it wants to be outlandish and over the top and crazy comic booky, but it also wants to say something real about human relationships. And it does both. Yeah. But the fact that it's trying to do both hurts it a little bit. Gotcha. And maybe this one's more to you because the style is even more cartoony, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Th- sometimes this is a total pro like manga reference. I'll read stuff where I feel like I'm looking at the advanced version like the incredibly advanced version of storyboarding like it's so easy to follow where i'm like i can almost see every frame between here and here that's how clear this is to me Mm. and sometimes especially in the action scenes of this i felt i could picture it as a scene from a cartoon sometimes it'd be very violent and then other times it'd feel like oh this is just kind of like a silly little brawl or something Mm. Yeah, they stopped and had tea in the middle of it. (laughs) Then later, this guy gets stabbed in the heart. (laughs) For sure. And it just stops and, like, it didn't 
take anything away from me, really. Uh, just That's like, what you call it, a mini-con. Yeah, just mini. You guys have other cons that you want to bring up? No. I don't like the producer. I think the producer is a waste of space. I get it if the point is to establish this universe and like that'll continue on, but mm-hmm. I just don't like that villain. I think I both don't like the villain and I also don't like what he did for the story and the the spot he took, the time he took. Yeah, I don't think he was necessary at all. I think if we had that 10% more Ethel Starlet time, then that Quimby dilemma might have paid off a little better. There was very little mention of his actual creating these villains and all this plan. Like It was so in the background that it could easily go away and just enrich the, the fewer characters that we do need to know. It's a little funny sometimes when you consider the motivations of all of these bad guys and like the catalysts for their transformations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You look at this one character and you're like, damn, that's brutal. I could see why you would have flipped. He and, loves movies so much. Yeah, and then you got these other characters who are like, no. Like, they, they, like you seem like a rich hobbyist or something. Like, you just seem bored. You're just a bad, bored guy. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And the way that I had written it in... In my cons, because my first one was the same thing, is I wrote inept villains because it's not like, oh, my master plan is perfectly rolling out and then, oh, no, Batman outsmarted me. It was like, this wasn't a very good idea. You know? It's like I was really counting on Quimby to turn and I was really counting on Harley to turn and, oh, shit, these just, we didn't think these through very well. I don't mind that because him being inept works for it. That's when the most interesting stuff happens. Him not planning this well is what leads to the most like emotional and impactful moment for me of this story. Yeah. But he just shouldn't have been there in the first place. It could have just as easily been Starlet's poor planning that put them in that situation. Yeah. Wasn't there a villain in the animated series that looked like a circus ringleader or something? Like he wore a jacket. P.T. T- Farnham from uh, originally introduced <laughs> in 1944, uh, Detective Comics. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. This is, I want you guys to refresh my memory because between the three of us, we should be able to piece together what happened prior in the White Knight series. I'm going to make something up. <laughs> Shut up. Where is Batgirl? Or where is Nightwing? Where is any of those people? Where is any of them? Oh, yeah, Nightwing was kind of in it, huh? Yeah, yeah, he was part of the GTO. It's, uh, you're right. Yeah, he was in around. the fucking GTO. God yeah, damn yeah. it. They're just not around. Yeah, I mean, that's now you're, on, now you're now bordering into a criticism of comic books in general, which is like, where was Superman when all this stuff was at? Where was this person? Don't they live in the same, like, yeah. there's a bit of you have to go like, I don't know. They were, yeah. Captain Marvel, she was in the other part of the galaxy <laughs> doing other stuff. You're right. Yeah, but we, that's particularly bad because Batman has shown up in this a bunch. Mm-hmm. And, and like... No, she needs the growth. <laughs> Quimby has to die. Yeah. Like, he could have caught the knife. He could have yeah. been there. That whole thing in movies where, like, I knew that it was critical for your development, so I let you suffer through that torturous <laughs> yeah. event. Like, it's, yeah. it, but you'll come out better for this. It wasn't Whoops. because of my negligence Whoops. or anything. Now, normally, if we were not focused on Batman, I wouldn't do the trifecta, but I was kind of struck by how relevant it is like this is really a batman story in style even though he's a side character i mean harley with all the the detective shit you know the the high heel the dashing dames all this stuff she really is kind of the lead on this case who even as they're doing shit does the the batman thing the wolverine thing like i'm gonna break away i'm gonna figure it out you know Mm -hmm. and she does 
Ninja, they establish with jokes that she's not stealthy, but that she's still very formidable, very dangerous. Well, the first even, scene has her jumping out like a four-story world, uh, building the window to land on the ground to go do something. I'm like, that's yeah, it's already pretty ninja right there. And I thought that they alluded to like she snuck up on Batman in one of the other things, and mm-hmm. then in Red and White, Batman is like, "How are you the only person that hears me?" Yeah, she has ninja ears at least. Yeah, she ninjas on his ninja. And then in Trauma, the easy thing or the logical jump off for this is that she is reeling from the decision she made in Curse. Not just that he's dead, but she had to kill him. But they take it in a different direction and do something I think is deeper and less expected, that she blames herself for even creating the Joker and fostering the circumstances that allowed that to transpire. Mm Mm-hmm. That's way more interesting to me than just on the surface. Oh, okay, well, so this happened. She's going to be grappling with that. But when you ask her about it, she's like, no, like it should have never even gotten to this point because of the decisions I made back then that enabled him. She potentially bookended that entire, mm-hmm. like, she's the white I created, his life. I created the thing she's that the I ended up knight. having to Shut kill. Whoa. Yeah, I think that's very true. Now, before rating, because I, I did forget to touch on this, but did we all read the black and red and white, Ben? Did you? Okay. I did, So, yeah. yeah. Issue six of that series was included in the deluxe here, and it is a nice little epilogue to this. And Because this does sort of just end really quickly. I thought it was cool. She's having the kids write letters to them, and they're like, what? Or, to Batman in prison. And I was like, well, why don't you write one? And she's like, oh, you know, that's a good idea. And it sort of just drives home the kind of unique relationship that they have in this version. The whole collected experiment is just a cool visual experiment. To s- I like- don't recommend it just for the record. There's a lot of subpar shit in there. Sure. Hmm. There's like maybe four out of 15 that are really good. Sure. <laughs> but just visually anyways, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I'm reading is black and white anyways black and white and screen tones so i'm very yeah. used to like how are you going to create contrast and what's going to be stark and what's going to be not when you're only working with black and white anyways and yeah. then we just talked about sin city like what if you just introduce a single color but selectively and mm-hmm. what's that going to do to aid these pictures and so i think it's really cool as an exercise and we're complimenting Stewart's addition to Scalera's stuff here and what that adds, but mm-hmm. like, but here's Scalera all by himself. Look at him pull off this thing. Yeah, that's really cool. But then, also like you're saying, one of my favorite parts was what this adds the layers to me that it adds to Joker and Harley's relationship. And so then, you, here you have her like more or less tagging along on a what seems like a a fun date with a guy that she likes and she's just kind of there to like ensure that nothing too bad happens yeah doubling down on like the she was actually a a positive influence the entire time yeah she yeah batman immediately comes in and but even before batman shows up where joker's got the knife to the guy's throat and she's like come on aren't we gonna fucking thought we were supposed to have fun and he's got his knife to the guy's neck going you don't think this is fun? Uh-huh. <laughs> but then, yeah, when Batman does show up and he's not locking her up going, you I know defeated. you gave him the fake gun with the flag that yeah. comes out, you know. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm a fucking badass. I didn't whatever. And he's like, I'm, I'm on to you. Mm-hmm. 
Also, how did you, you hear me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I pop in your window from time to time. I don't always say hello. <laughs> Final rating. White Knight Harley Quinn. 4.5. Nice. A three and a half or a four. I don't know where I land. I feel like it deserves a four, but my gut says it's a three and a half for me. Yeah, I give it a four. I think Curse for me was the three and a half because it was like has some of the greatest artwork in it, but I had such an up and down, back and forth with the story. And, and this one is just, it's very consistent. And for whatever missteps there are in the antagonists, I mean, there's just so much good you know, the way that they're developing this world and, and these characters, I'm, I'm really on board. I think what lowers it a bit for me, and as I'm saying this, it's weird because usually I like more mundane stuff. Mm-hmm. Like some of my favorite stuff, like Marvel stuff is, I think it's Winter Soldier or Civil War, whichever the one that has Black Widow and Captain America in the mall. Mm-hmm. Like that boring stuff, seeing them do human stuff or hanging out in Hawkeye's house and just like talking. Like yeah. those Tarantino scenes. Uh, yes, that's the show best me stuff. some mm-hmm. dining table So this has tons of that, mm-hmm. but some of it I didn't like, and I think maybe it's because I didn't like the action stuff enough either. And I say this again, where to me, this is still largely a positive work rather than a negative work. Yeah. But it's because there's so much of the mundane, like detective story, psychological stuff, and then the fight scenes... Just a little underwhelming. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe that's the way I would say it. That's that's what pulls it away from, like, I appreciate the overall work that went into it and why I could see it being a four or greater yeah. and why it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would like to see more from this team because I think, I don't know if it's just her perspective or the decisions that they made going into where Harley's going to end up, but I thought this story had a real unique voice and yeah. if they can put her with like a better villain Mm -hmm. they got a five up their sleeve but i think they do i think it's a little hard sometimes where you know who knows what their green lighting and the longevity of something but if you knew that you were going to write an eight issue thing Mm -hmm. and you'd be like okay cool well if it it seems a little short at four issues that's because it's going to be eight issues yeah but then if you get four and it's like well, that's all the time we had, and we just had to cram it. You're like, ah, you can kind of tell it comes across like maybe it bit off more than it could chew, and it just didn't pull it off or something. And this feels a little like that to me where maybe they'll get to do something else. But yeah. for the moment, this is all we can tackle. Let's also tip our hat to the fact that she is writing in Sean's universe, and they are teeing up a fourth installment or a third if you consider this like a spinoff. About Batmite. Um, <laughs> but I'm saying that like they do have the Marvel shackles on in terms of like, all right, you get to tell your story this time, but it fits into our ongoing You have thing. to acknowledge this and acknowledge so that. And- it's great that they're on model and it's doing all this shit that's like a continuation of it, but they have to acknowledge that they're also just the middle of it mm-hmm. and can't deviate too much to where it would affect his future plans. So hmm. I give them a lot of credit for the execution on this, knowing that it is sort of one of those with like, you can do your thing, except this, this, and this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, within these confines. Um, yeah. So I hope we get more. I know that they've talked about like maybe a Batgirl spinoff or maybe a uh, Jason Todd spinoff or something else that 
you know, another one of these characters that develops the world and like, where is Catwoman? You know, like these are things that Sean's mentioned, like, well, depending on how each one sells, we can talk about what they're going to allow me to do next, you Mm -hmm. know? So I hope they continue. And I know I said (laughs) there was a part of me that resented like, how do we have a whole universe of this? And then nobody even knows this existed. But I mean that in a way of like, let's big up, Marini and these other yeah, projects too. Yeah, Let's yeah. bring yeah. up Sejic and Harleen too. Let's build on, on these other things as well because this has proven you can do that. Mm-hmm. So more of that, Black Label. I want it all. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warman. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, if my voice was not conveying the energy, I think the length and the depth of this analysis, this great conversation, should hopefully convey how invested we are in the White Knight universe. So shout out to the whole creative team, both from the spinoff and the OG. We're looking forward to much more and all things DC Black Label. I appreciate your guys' messages and comments and story shares, getting the word out about it. It really means a lot to us. If you got an iPhone, do hit that five-star rating and give us just a couple sentences of what you like about the show. really means the world to us. We are going to continue the Harley theme for the rest of the season, picking up with probably my favorite animated series today, HBO's Harley Quinn.